Scarnhorst. Hello and welcome to the Saladcast on Sunday the 14th of January 2018. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. We're back. And Robert Kemp. Bonus ducks. <laughs> okay. Bonus ducks? Yeah, bonus ducks. <laughs> It's been in my head since you reminded me of it the other day, Zach. Just yep. Bonus ducks! What, like, on top of the ducks you already have? Exactly. Yeah, bonus that was, ducks. That was indeed. Was the, um... <laughs> I can't actually remember it. I just remember the, 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 the that that sample. But it was like a Team Fortress Halloween thing. Yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> bonus ducks! <laughs> the best thing about that sample is there was, like, the different versions of it. Which had different, like weirdly different intonations. There's one that's bonus there's, ducks. There's one it's like bonus ducks. Bonus ducks. <laughs> bonus ducks. <laughs> it's like the old overtime bug. Yeah, basically, that's what you want. Oh, I used to love that. That was my one of my favourite bugs of all time. Just overtime. Overtime. I can't even say it. No. <laughs> I'm overtime. I'm overtime. 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 <laughs> Double kill. Yes, because the only reason I remembered that was because at some point I used the that weird GFC extractor program to pull, like, to open up the files of Teapot Just 2 and extract the actual samples. So I have a variety of scout noises available at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Boink! Swoosh! <laughs> what do you use these for? Nothing. They're just available. <laughs> They're just Nothing. available. Goes have you got any like folder? <laughs> yeah, I do you actually a sound effects folder. I think I do actually use the zwoosh for like a message send noise sometimes <laughs> on my phone. Have you got anything customized on your phone's egg for sounds? I don't think I have anything anymore. I only have ringtone. That's it. Like, that was as much as I could be bothered with. I haven't even done ringtone. What's your ringtone? And text message, I guess. I suppose that counts. <laughs> I just brought over the pre- the old ones. Zach still has the uh, on, my, on my phone. He has the Watch It Beldala sheet. <laughs> you know, I've forgotten about that for quite a long time until I was looking at my in my flash folder, and I was like, "Oh, I actually have that!" <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so I can enjoy Watch It Beldala sheet. Was it the uh, what did they call it? The Mario Dirty Mix or something? <laughs> yes, whatever that was. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best ever Windows sound I ever heard uh, uh, that we set was your one, Rob. The old days for with the uh, Destiny's Child. Um, oh, what for when the, the for whenever there was yeah, a, like a prompt like a, a in Windows prompt. that was like a, yeah. a, a, an you had to provide an answer. Yeah, question. <laughs> Just cut <laughs> out that question bit of that song. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, it's called the Super Mario Bros. Dirty Mix from a from, from OC Remix. Yeah, naturally. Even back then. <laughs> oh man! Is this OC Remix then? <laughs> yeah, apparently. How old is OC Remix then? Very old. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh wow! Epic, epic. It's been going. It's a very long time now. Yeah, you're part of a storied history with your uh... <laughs> with my now soon to be four tracks. Wow. Oh. It's two tracks, but I got two. I, I now have two tracks. Uh, um that have been approved for the Skies of Arcadia project. Oh, really? One of which made the teaser trailer. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wow. Check it out, guys. We need to link it. <laughs> Maybe. I, f- I forget what the 
project name is called though, but so that's not going to help. <laughs> right. Um, I can't remember, yeah, I just remember, remember like, any music only... from Skies of Arcadia. Or maybe the battle music. Yeah, exactly. The one that plays the big, over and uh, over again. Yeah, the, the one that you hear constantly, <laughs> endlessly. So I think that's the only reason I made the trailers, because I did the, the victory music. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of a one one you'll hear a lot. Not that that's um, much of a music, really. No, it's like a 20-second loop. But then there's two of them, so there's a bit of bombardment victory music, which is different oh, right, yeah. for like, the ship battles. I was trying to remember what where, where like what weird sound effects I had set on Windows at some point. I think the only one I remember was when I had on my MSN whenever a message got sent, it goes what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what that sound effect was from exactly. <laughs> That's great. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I got some. Oh, I, yeah, I've got some like um, video gamey sounds on here. I use things like my text message noises, of course. Yeah. Yep. You hear that in. Several of our videos, if you're paying close attention. <laughs> and I think I've used uh, this, or one of these, I'm assuming it's this one, for uh, when a calendar alarm comes up. Okay. More, more Sonic-y stuff. Sonic stuff. Yeah. I was... Well, that was a lot louder. Yeah, that was a lot louder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, of course. I don't, know, I don't know what I've used it for, but I've put it on here just in case. <laughs> Another classic. I'm pretty sure I used that for something in there. Is that from the dramatic reading thing? Yeah, absolutely. The literally read out the door. Lol. Lol. dramatic reading. Wow, old old memes. Stop! Stop! Like mid middle age memes. Yeah, yeah, only eleven years ago. Oh, there we go. Here's Poing. I had that as an email noise for a while. Poing. Yep. Poing. I've come and, across uh, people that use the Metal Gear spotted sound for, yeah, for a text message. Oh, that's not <laughs> much anything. That's pretty great. Which is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can, I can get behind that. It makes you constantly on edge, basically. I, at one point, during the very brief window that I was in Second Life, I made a Metal Gear Solid alert where it just created a, a pixelated exclamation mark above your head and used that sound effect. Nice. <laughs> so you could trigger it whenever you wanted. <laughs> nice. You should have sold it. I tried, I tried to, but I did, then I was like, fuck this shit, and then I got out. <laughs> and also, <laughs> actually, uh, and probably, K- K- Konami probably was in Second Life at one point. Well, right? and probably about a million other people had already done that. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> it's a real obvious idea. You probably got shut down. Is Second Life still... A thing is it? Oh, well, as much of a thing as it already, always has been, I guess. <laughs> that must have evolved in some f- way. It has, but not to make it necessarily better, I guess. No, no, no. But maybe <laughs> they got better modeling tools, I suppose. Probably got things better. look slightly less made of polygons than everything used to. I bet the only significant advancement has been in their porn dungeons. Well, I mean, that's what drives the advance. <laughs> People want better looking porn, and therefore you get better looking textures and polygons. That's pretty much how that works. It's the same with VR, really. It's all driven by porn. Absolutely. <laughs> oh well, that was the um, that was the, the the like the early bets, wasn't it, on the uh, HD DVD versus Blu-ray battle? <laughs> Which one but, has the more porn? Well, <laughs> and the the early winner was HD DVD on that front. 
It was it was like H HD porn apparently embraced HD DVD because it was a more open format, mm. as in it was easier to make. <laughs> it wasn't Sony, and they yeah. were able to shut them down. Absolutely. <laughs> I still don't understand what's going on with Blu-ray. Can you you can get 4K Blu-rays, right? Explain yeah, it to that, me. That, that's a that's a thing. So why was there was there ever a worry about that? Like you can get a full film in 4K on a Blu-ray disc. It's a different disc. Yeah, you, like, you need a uh, one yeah. player. You need a special you need a, player. Do you? You do need a 4K. What's drive it called? Blu-ray 4K, 4K or something? Uh, Ultra Blu-ray. Ultra Blu-ray. Something like that. Oh, it might, it might just 4K Blu-ray, something like that. Yeah. Because they sometimes call 4K Ultra 4K, don't they? For some stupid. So, reason. and your if you have a PS4, can it play that or not? No, there is no. no PlayStation 4 available that can do 4K Blu-ray, not even the PS4 Pro. However, Xbox S and and Xbox, Xbox X, X can, can do it. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Given it's, it's a Sony mighty format. Strange. Okay. Mighty strange. But I guess so, Sony really wants to save Xbox that 100 But your Xbox One can't bucks. do it. Hmm. My no, Xbox I... can't do it, no. The original, the original Xbone. <laughs> I was going to call it the OG Xbox Xbone. <laughs> it's getting the really OG confused. Xbone. OG yeah. Xbone. It's not the OG Xbox, it's the OG Xbone now. The suffixless, let's call it. <laughs> I saw a headline of a news story, but then didn't actually read the news story to find out what it was, what it was actually about. But it said the Duke is coming back. Yeah. 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 Some yeah, I... some peripheral manufacturer is like, making the Duke. <laughs> and it's got like tiny little... like. Um, uh, you know, uh, bumpers just for compatibility, but they don't really fit on the design. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, do, are they are they black and white bumper buttons then to make? Yeah, the bumpers I think work? that's the same. The, the The main difference is well, they've taken out the memory card slots, obviously, um, <laughs> and and the entire huge really round logo is a screen <laughs> complete with what? like a stupid animation of the logo. Yeah. What? Yeah, apparently. So apparently, the the guy, the, when they originally designed it, that's what they w would have wanted to do. Of course, because it, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily live giant pointless thing. On the, on the it was huge. It was an, the Duke was kind of an unnecessarily large pointless thing. <laughs> well, yes, but that <laughs> specific logo circle was just like it wasn't even like the logo took up that entire space. It was like even the logo no. was small within that circle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So that has like the Xbox logo animation apparently on the new one. Did did the S controllers still have the memory card slots? Um, I think they did. I, I really remember. can't remember. Yeah, no. I think they did. I don't even remember. I never had a memory card. I no, think. I don't know anyone who had a uh, had a memory card. You didn't need it because you just had the hard disk. I guess it was well, for transferring. It was for stuff. transferring saves. Yeah, yeah. But then, but you had two slots every... on the controller for some reason, right? It wasn't just and one. Also the, and also, I think the management in on the console didn't let you transfer all right. saves to the memory card in the same way that they had that restriction on 360 at one point mm. until mm. they introduced um, uh, you know, the ability to plug your own sticks into it and they opened it up a little bit, but still not completely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The Duke was like weirdly good for Halo. <laughs> and that's all that mattered. Not a lot else. When, yeah. when, the game, when the Xbox came out, that's all anyone was playing. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah it, it, was quite, it was quite comfortable for that. Yeah, it was fine, but but for any kind of act, like the, it, the I don't know what there were lots of problems with it. But the buttons were why did they make them that weird like egg shape? 
you know, they're still yeah like rounded up. Buttons. They were a little too rounded. Yeah, I mean, they still are fairly rounded, yeah. but just not eggy. Yeah, they're more sphery. Or yeah, just a bit more buttony, I suppose. Mm. But, anyway. but they are still a li- they are still a little curved outwards. But then most controllers are like that still, sort of curved outwards. Not that Mega Drive controller though. They've got concave button tops. Mm. Weird. Dimpled. But then they're massive, and there's only three of them. Well, that's why they're dimpled, I guess, because what, what, they're big enough that the dimple is actually like finger-sized rather than just like a, like a yeah, weird-feeling yeah. n- nodule. True. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your buttons to be nodular. No. Speaking of controllers, I, you know, I suppose I haven't talked about I picked up a Pro Controller over oh, the yeah. break. Damn, that thing's good. Yeah, it's a good controller, man. Oh, it's so comfortable. Yeah. It's pretty nice. If only oh. Nintendo would, you know, put their button layout the right way round, like swap the, oh, the A XY and B thing. around. And, yeah, just just you know, get it right. Put, well, the only thing missing there. from that as a universal controller is like analog triggers. Analog triggers, yeah. yeah. But I guess I which in fairness, the majority of games don't actually use. No, it's just so they're not really missing it. anything. Not really. It's like driving games, but yeah, you've got a wheel. Then, yeah, and Ninty don't. Really, I can't remember the last no. like proper driving game on an Inti platform. I do occasionally find in Splatoon that I like don't realize whether I'm holding down the trigger or not. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I, like I'll but you're firing... only using Joy Cons, right? Sure, but it's still like the same button triggers. Hmm. Just like you don't because you don't have that much trouble. You don't notice sometimes if you're continuing to hold it down. Like you haven't let off that tiny amount of pressure hmm. between clicking and not clicking. <laughs> I remember I have not used that my grip since getting the Pro Controller. Not just, like, nothing has sat in it. There's been no point. Yeah, I don't use that thing. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a, it's one, it's a hell of a thing. It's just it's it's just it's it's weird because it is like in many ways just an X-Bone controller. Yeah, it's like, almost it's, the it's same, almost the exact same shape, but we it's weirdly more comfortable, and I don't really know why. Only slightly. It's got the. Yeah. It's got a Ninty D pad, which is good. Not that yeah. it, but, but it's got a proper D pad, proper size buttons. Yeah. And it's yet to break, so that's something. <laughs> it's not going to break. Like a month. I've, I've used it for right. ages. I know, but like, yeah, three of my X. I know two of the three X Bone controllers I have are now dubious. Really? Jeez. Yeah, a clip, a clip in the left stick breaks. And uh, or snaps off, and my best efforts to repair it have lasted all of about ten minutes before it's broken again. Oh man, they wouldn't. I mean, they tried to improve on the six three sixty pad, but they couldn't quite manage it. I don't think. I'm not sure. I've heard of. Admittedly, all of my controllers are like uh, the first revision. There is a second revision, or maybe even a third now. Like there are newer revisions of the X Bone controller, so I'm hoping they've fixed it in that, but. And I would assume the Elite is slightly better made. <laughs> You'd bloody hope so for that price. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a critical flaw. And I'm expecting... I've got one left that I can trust and I'm not holding my breath anymore. I reckon that might die. But yeah, modern controllers are expensive, but I would recommend, oh, so expensive. The, I would recommend I mean that, the Pro Controller if you ever saw I mean, yeah, that Pro Controller is, is, is the most expensive of the standard is it? is it more than a, yeah. a 
than a yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's more expensive than a PS4. It's more expensive than oh, a wow. bone. Um, it has got. To... Don't forget, it has got them. Uh, at least over the X Bone, the one thing it has is the motion tracking, which X Bone obviously doesn't have. But yeah, PS4 it does, does have that. Yeah, um, and HD Rumble, which is a, a and an yeah. NFC spot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and an NFC spot. HD Rumble just means they put a smaller motor in it. Really. <laughs> That's not what it actually means. If you actually take it apart and look at the HD Rumble thing, it's slightly more complicated than, Is it? than just a set of motors. I thought those haptic things were basically just a, yeah, like a Diddy I mean, Rumble. They are motor. at some point some kind of motor, but it's not just like more of them or like you can't just like shove two of the ones that you already had in there and have that be yeah. insane. Okay. They're, like, and they're like, like contained in a little box and stuff. Because I think I would still like stuff. there to be at least in the Pro Controller like a big rumble motor. Because you know who doesn't like a big rumble, like the heavy rumble that the you know normal controllers. It still manages some fair rumble out of those small HD motors, but they all go off at the same time. Yeah, cuts cuts. I've really experienced that. Reason a reason a rumble. <laughs> Rumbleable. <laughs> I think the main problem with the with the HD Rumble motors or whatever is in there, I guess it's still motors, but because they're so small, it makes them high pitched. Oh yeah, yeah. So you notice wee, the sound wee. of them more. Wee, wee, wee. There's, a, there's a fun thing you can do with my phone where you can make it you can make it have ripple have rumble tones. So you can change how it how it vibrates when something rings, but it could like you can make it rumble in a sort of arpeggio. Mm. So you, it'll be right lying on the table going bo 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 bo. Oh, that's pretty in, cool. In, in Rumble. At the moment, I just have it set on a somewhat extreme... <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know, I, I think I'm immune to feeling Rumble in my pocket these days. Yeah. Like, I've got it set to the strongest setting and I just don't notice it. And then you notice it when it hasn't happened at all, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, have like, I, yeah I definitely Rumble. have Phantom Rumble. Everyone's Ooh, stop, got Phantom stop Rumble. Stop in, in the other pocket. Oops, see if sorry. That helps. Because if you, if you always have it in one pocket, maybe putting it on the other leg would not let, let you feel it again. That is true. The funniest thing is I did put it in the other pocket for a while, and it felt weird. Admittedly. Well, yeah. It's like, this is this is a weight I wasn't expecting to have there. And I still felt the Phantom Rumble in the other side. <laughs> and it's like, damn it. I've got too accustomed to there being something going every few minutes. Or invent some other mechanism to connect it to your body somewhere else. So get to my brain. <laughs> Just make my entire head vibrate. <laughs> the risk of attaching it to certain places with electrical impulses might mean it creates, you know, adverse effects. It'd be like, it'd be like, <laughs> I don't hey. think there's much electricity coming out of your phone, to be honest. <laughs> that would be terrifying if your whole head vibrated every time you got to No, no, I've, I've wired this wrong. I've accidentally loosened my sphincter whenever I get a text. <laughs> No, <laughs> that'd be dangerous as hell. <laughs> Tangent to your eyelid, so it's just a weird one. Like you know, <laughs> you're trying to think you, of the weirdest body parts. Yeah, you know the, the, the you know the twitchy feeling you get in your eyes when, you, yes. when you're overtired. No, I get tired. all the time, and it's just like yeah, just bring it to that, so your eyes are going and sort of opening and closing. <laughs> 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 Open the phone! It's like, oh shit, someone's trying to get a hold of me. Ah, I can't see! I <laughs> mean, knowing you're driving along. So, yeah. And that's free. <laughs> okay, Google, answer the phone! Ah! Oh man, okay, Google. 
my brother brought one of those um, mini Google, Google Homes. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when we were um, at home for Christmas, and my mum's anyway, and uh, trying to encourage my mum to to get one. Uh, but uh, yeah, it worked. It worked pretty well. I have to I have to admit. I don't know. I think I'm permanently still finding questions that I want to ask assistants, and them come up with not an answer. Like, like yeah, like, sometimes I, not even that complex a question. Like, um, we I was trying to teach um my dad how to use a te- his his new tablet, and that's got Alexa on it. Oh, really? Um, and so we were trying to see if we could ask it when to get like horse racing um results or things like that and it was just like just like no nope. <laughs> i cannot understand your question yeah yeah and I so know. some of that stuff you thought would be relatively simple like google sometimes has a better job of that because of the way they list like that you know anything that has one of those little cards in google if you do a google search and you get the little yeah, card yeah, yeah. the graph is usually yeah it's usually yeah. pretty good uh yeah, for asking is, assistant yeah. but those even those things are somewhat limited um I I don't see how you know Alexa is slightly ahead apparently or, or with their ahead uh, Amazon but surely uh, so, Google's so got to win in the long run because they have the uh, data. No, so it's so it's so it's up and down. Alexa is ahead if you want smart home stuff. Yeah. Google is still better if you actually want search. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you want to ask it random questions. But if surely, you want to turn, turn your lights to forty percent, then Alexa's your 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 thing. But you can do that with the Google one. I mean, my brother does. You it can, with the one, but it's so. it's it's just supported by more third parties. Oh, I see. It's the thing. It's winning. It's winning that race. Because because Stephen's really into. Uh, he's got the Philips Hue stuff, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. he he got me that for Christmas. Well, him and my mum. So I've got a couple of I've got the Philips Hue Bridge and. I've got one light bulb and um, a strip, which I've put behind my monitor in the classic old bias lighting style. Mm-hmm. I haven't had that for a while. So now I have half smart lights, but I don't have the Google Home, so I can't control it with my voice like he does. But he uses a lot of if this, then that, you know, integrations to to sure yeah to, to convert things into other things. But he's really into it, and I'm not. I'm I'm not that bothered. I think I, I do think it's fascinating. But the more I thought about it, like and I think we've had this conversation on the cast before. But like the more I think about it and think that's cool. But what would I actually use it for? Yeah. Like, how often am I really changing the lights in my room? Unless I'm going to get really into the mood lighting and thing and go, what this podcast needs is a bit more green. Yeah, I know. Like I, I've, I need to get in a green mood. For both this. these lights have full color capabilities. And so far, I'm only using them in like, you know, different levels of, or different. Well, no, I mean, I'm using them different what would you call it, color temperatures, but I'm basically just using white light, right? Or like right. light bulb light, but I can adjust it to like more warm, yellowy, okay. I suppose. Can I, ha- can I have sunlight? Or can yeah, I have- exactly. So I'm doing that, but I'm not doing one. like a green. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, at least not currently. I set up a, like a red alert mode, but I haven't used it. But that would be, uh, ideally, you'd use Alexa, right? Because they they have, for some reason, the rights or not rights, but they're the only ones that seem to allow you to say the word computer. So they're the yeah, only yeah, ones yeah. that you were, you could say to Alexa, computer, red alert, and have it play the stupid sound from Star Trek yeah, and that, have everything that, go red. Because <laughs> that's that, what that you does, want. That does still bother me that the assistants, none of the assistants apart from Alexa have the ability to change the 
the name that you I mean, used to call out. I, I know why it is, but it seems like it'd be such a killer feature if you could oh, name man. it whatever you wanted. Yeah, and just think about the multi-user stuff, right? Because I don't, and none, all of these are kind of crappy for locations where you've got several people, right? Because you don't want, I don't necessarily want known if I had an Alexa to go like, Alexa, add this to my shopping list. But it adds it to mine because I'm the account associated with the Alexa, right? But isn't and there like some one of them is it can tell who you they're, are? They're from getting the US, there, right? but it's not great, right? Um, yeah. Um, and but you know, just using a, a different opening word, surely yeah, yeah, would yeah. be the easiest solution. That's true. Like anyway. I call mine Jim. It's like Jim. <laughs> sort, Jim. Out, sort out my shopping, mate. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then the no comes like, in and goes, oh, Gu- Gustav, what's going on? In <laughs> Gustav. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeeves, you know, name, give it a butler name. Yeah. Albert, ready Albert. the Batmobile. And then it, like, my smart car is for some reason the engine turns on. I don't know. Give me a live feed from my dash cam. Jeeves. Oh, man. What's the guy's name in Batman? Albert. Is know? it Albert? I've actually <laughs> forgotten. Alfred, sorry, Alfred. Alfred. There we go, Alfred. <laughs> Not Albert. And in, in and in and so I only recently learned uh, this weekend that Iron Man's butler was called Jarvis, and and that's why yeah, the yeah, computer's yeah. called Jarvis in Iron Man. But originally he yeah. was just a butler, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, that's a thing. Jarvis. Anyway, smart stuff. Stuff. Yeah, because even with a thermostat thing, I'm not like I don't care about the heat or like I can put up with the cold. So it's like I don't need to turn the thermostat off so the house right. is warm when I get home. It's like I'll be in my house. I'll be warm enough. Thing is that th- like, this stuff will people like Stephen will like pioneer this stuff or whatever. They'll be early adopters, and then one day, like eventually, everyone will just have it and it'll just be normal. I, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's like you know, smart electricity stuff that's being forced upon us, isn't it? The whole smart meter thing. I mean, that's good. And I, I don't even know if any of that actually even links to any of this. Probably not. I don't know. Because I think they got ahead of it before this became a thing, mm. and so most of them probably don't. And it's like, well, that would be useful like, if I just want to shout at it to be like, hey, what's my electricity bill this month? <laughs> but that, but how often do I do that? What's the month, apparently? Or not at all, in my <laughs> case, because you know, I just wait for that letter to come through the post from your, your supplier that yes, says, you hey, we're changing your direct debit. That's the thing, isn't it? Or at email, sure, whatever. I know this is like totally a different, sort of a different subject and, and probably old technology or, or whatever, old thing, but I really like the Chromecast and I just discovered that if I tell my... If I get my phone out and I get go to YouTube and stream and press the connect to Chromecast button, it will actually turn on the TV if it's off oh, that's um, cool. through the HDMI or whatever. So, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's pretty smart. Even though my amp has apparently has that stuff built in, it's yeah, it doesn't work. Doesn't turn. Doesn't turn the amp oh, on. And the amp can't. I think my TV is a bit too old to be turned on to do by that. signals. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I've heard there are some devices like the Switch and stuff that can really screw with that stuff. Oh, really? Like, uh, and I, we we always reference Jeff Gersman on the Bombcast, but he used to have it apparently had a problem with his LGs, and that you know when he docked or undocked the Switch, it would try and turn things on and off randomly, and it's like, right. ah, no, don't do that. Jeff Gersman is still a threat. He is. So don't don't cross him. Unlike China, he care. There we go. Get the references out there. They were done. I don't know if he cares that much. No, I forgot about China. Don't care. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, what's going on, guys? Any uh, 
house grouse? I don't think I have really. I mean, we changed the curtains in here. You know, it's not really grouse. You know, we had it. We had a. It's not grouse yet, anyway. No, it's... you haven't experienced them long enough to determine whether grouse needs to happen. Yeah, <laughs> whether the cat will take to destroying them. We haven't really, we haven't got that far. Um, I mean, she did leave the biggest dump I've ever seen this cat produce on the doormat yesterday morning, which was nice. I wondered why your doll that was different when I came in. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Well, basically, when the cat like decides to soil a doormat, Gnome doesn't take the approach of like, "Well, we can clean this, right?" She's just like, "Nope, this is done." Well, I mean, it's probably good anyway. Get rid of old doormats. I mean, that wasn't that old. That one. <laughs> yeah, but how old was it? Really? Like a year or two, because she did this last time. Oh, <laughs> the cat right. took a massive dump on the doormat. Yeah, you and she sat on me right now. She didn't, couldn't, couldn't give him monkeys. She just sat there going, yeah, I know. I did that. Quite proud. <laughs> Look at that proud face. Smug cat. Yeah. Smug number. Yeah. And we, we had something. Yeah, the curtains came out of, we just had one of these weird conversations like during Crimbo Limbo where it was just like, no one was getting really bored uh, with, with all the time off. And it's like, I was fine. I was playing games. Yeah. Well, they're attempting to catch up on yeah, of course. stuff I was I meant to do a long time ago. And uh, yeah, it's just like, in the middle of the day, just like, should we go to IKEA? Classic. <laughs> just, just did. Ended Were up there lots of people there? Office. Ah, it wasn't too bad. Oh, cool. too bad. I mean, IKEA's always busy. Which so, one do you, know. you go to? Like, like, like Blue Water? Yeah, I have to go to Thurk. Thurk. Lakeside, or whatever it's called. I quite Where like the darts are. <laughs> did you um, have meatballs? We did have. Well, no, actually, we didn't have meatballs there. We brought them back. Oh, you brought them back. Ah, oh. got got a stash of meatballs and sauce and rosties, and ate them all in a week. Sweet. I had <laughs> fish and chips last time I was at IKEA. That's quite nice. <laughs> Love IKEA. Yeah, I could actually get the bus and, and 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 go and have lunch at IKEA and then come back <laughs> uh, <laughs> on a, like a normal day. Well, <laughs> actually, it's a bit too far to do that, but it's a little far. Yeah, it's possible. It's only in Tottenham, so it's not that far from me. The problem for me is getting stuff back. I don't have a car, so. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, last time, well, um, you can like like the weird thing they do is like seems to be you can go to the showroom, have a wander around, pick everything out from the self service warehouse, and then once you've paid for it, they have an extra counter there behind the checkout if you realise right. you can't get it in your car. Yeah, yeah, and they'll just That's deliver it. So when you <laughs> realise, like... but then they charge you like thirty five quid for delivery or something. Yeah, basically. Um, uh, and then you're not in, are you? Because you're at work. <laughs> Absolutely. So standard. Uh, well, maybe you are, but um... well, I'm at home most of the time. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so we managed to get a ridiculous Uber XL, and it actually worked. I couldn't believe it. Uh, by some driven by some insane Turkish guy who was like <laughs> all over the roads, <laughs> but it actually worked. I guess that was that's my. Main Uber fear of Uber confirmed then. Oh, Uber is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Obviously, it's fine. Like, but sure. it's, it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> Did you hear that thing about Uber recently where supposedly the, the police raided one of their buildings or something, but they knew it was coming? They got tipped off or something. So basically, managed to secure all their data so they couldn't access it. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even know they had any buildings. I guess they have an office. Maybe they have to somewhere, I suppose. I don't know if that was UK or US or what. I just remember right. hearing, like, seeing a news post about it. Yeah. 
Uber survives a raid. Uber is very weird, but it is absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm not, I don't like, I don't use it myself much, but when I've used it with friends and stuff, it's so fast and so cheap and so easy to use. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I think some of my Cambridge crew use it because it's there. I think it's is here. it there in Cambridge? I think so. Or maybe they have an equivalent. Hmm. I don't know. They were something. They were tracking yeah. the driver or something. Maybe it's just one of their taxi firms got high tech. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No idea. Ikea. Ikea. Yes, How's the that. cattle holding up, Zeg? <laughs> it's still fine and the mod is surviving. I was worried about that rubber glove because I was like, you're putting it directly against the thing that boils water. Is it not just going to melt? <laughs> Apparently not. Hmm. Rubber gloves can withstand more than 100 degrees, which I guess sort of makes sense. Not that you typically dip your hands directly into 100 degree water, but pretty hot water hmm. when you're doing washing up, if you're doing hmm. it well enough. My bedroom smelled of pine for like the whole week because I got a new bed frame. Ooh. Only the frame so far. The mattress comes like next week. <laughs> Help me. So it's just the old mattress stuffed on top of the new frame where it doesn't actually really fit because the frame is longer than this than the old mattress. Helpfully. Oh, that would be good though with the new mattress if it's longer bed. Yeah, well, yeah assuming that mattress is as long as it's meant to be, yes. <laughs> and this bed frame just is weirdly long. So will you have less space in your room because you've got a bigger bed? Marginally, but slightly, it's like because it's just a frame frame, not like the box thing. Ah, uh, right. I can okay. actually fit more boxes under it than I had drawers under the full frame last time. Oh, right. So, so that, theoretically, you can store more stuff. That actually fit properly as well. Because well, you had a like your boxes overhung the actual. Well, that's what the frame is broken. <laughs> oh, right. That was why I got a new bed. But yeah, it smelled of pine really strongly, especially for the first couple of days. <laughs> like always headachey kind of strength of pine smell. I was like, Jesus Christ. And then, of course, once you sit in the room for a while, you get used to it. And then if you leave to like make a cup of tea and then come back, it's like, no, it still really smells of pine in here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Epic pine. And also, it's like, I mean, it, it's, it's a very, like, you know, basic bed frame just made of bits of wood why it smells of pine <laughs> but it's it's you know screw assembled so you're never going to be able to get that out of there mm. without destroying it right it's in there permanently now because you wouldn't even be able to like disassemble it because they're literal screws going into wood so if you take those out you're not you, they're never going to be as good the second time yeah Fred's not going <laughs> to hold up is it <laughs> so yeah that's just there until it breaks I suppose <laughs> Or for some reason, have to get a completely new bed again. Who knows what's going to happen with this mattress, though? That's the bit that's actually bad about getting new beds, where it's like you have to experience a new mattress and you don't know whether it's going to be satisfactory until you've slept on it for like a week. No, we've been putting off getting a mattress for ages because it turns out we have expensive taste in mattresses. Yeah, you've got to get one of those fancy ones that that everyone is, that, that there's like. Cutthroat competition the, in the ridiculous, a lady's like, name mail e order. Yeah, there's like three different ones. We already talked about this, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not even sure we like those because foam. Like we 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 sat, we sat on a few foam mattresses at, at, at IKEA, and admittedly, they would be IKEA foam mattresses, not a Lisa right. or an Eve or a Jemima. I don't know what they call whatever the other um, one is. Yeah, I mean, it's loads. Casper, um, right? Ca- yeah, Casper's the blue one, I think. Yeah, and. 
uh, yeah, and, and we're, so we're not sure we'd actually like them. But you can't try those. You have to actually get them in your house, and then and there's so much money. You can you can send them back though, right? That's the I know the in theory. It's a pain in the ass though. But then they'll be like, but you're you've got your body sweat in like in in this foam. Like, that's yeah, the I other know. thing that I'm worried about. It's like are they just going to resolve everything that I have? And it's like. Yeah, well, you have an undersheet. Your the life essence. Put ventilators in there to create a bit of a barrier. <laughs> yeah, I use a topper, mattress topper. That's oh yeah, yeah, cool. I definitely use a topper. Yeah. yeah, but I would like to. I think my mattress has started squeaking, and I, I might have to, uh, which is very annoying. I think it must be the mattress, not, and not the, the bed. bed. Yeah, I think so. That's maybe it, maybe it's the bed. I don't know. You've got like one bad spring or something. Maybe. How do I test which ones it is? You take the mattress off the bed. Yeah. Just roll around on the floor a bit. <laughs> not on the floor. You mean off the bed, <laughs> on the, on the bed frame. <laughs> not just take the mattress off the bed, just lie yeah. on the floor for a while. Well, no, but if you put, if you put the mattress on the floor and then roll on the mattress oh, okay. on the floor. Not, oh, right. Not the bed frame. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about two separate activities where you just... Right, first of all... Is how you make a cup of tea. First of all, you put the kettle on, <laughs> then you lie on the floor, then you go roll around on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that could be a theoretical thing you could do during the time when the kettle's boiling. And then, then, then you turn the kettle off again because you forgot to put the water in. Yeah, and then, then you put the water in, and then you roll around on the floor of it, and then you remember to turn the kettle on. Because it's the same bed as as yours. Because you got you got yours off not, off me the mull. Yeah, you know mal. it has those. Obviously, it has the like wooden strips underneath, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could easily re- I could easily replace those, right? Because I just get one of those from IKEA and it'll be the same. So if that's yeah. the thing that's squeaking, I don't have a problem. But I did, but I don't, well, I don't have know to figure if, it out if it's that. And I'm not quite sure how that would squeak. No, exactly. It looks fine. Like if I lift the mattress up, everything looks fine under there. It's not like any of them are broken or anything. And uh, also, that would be pretty difficult to sort of test because they're yeah. sort of mobile. Those slats, aren't they? Exactly. Well? Yeah, yeah, the slats. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, but I'm guessing it's the mattress on that basis. Um, but I mean, uh, it could still be like wood on wood squeaking on the, like the joints. Yeah, I know, but it never used to. So just just tighten it. Get an Allen key and tighten it. What the? Right. You mean the actual physical? No, it's definitely coming from the inside of the bed, not the frame. I know, I know, but it could still be like wood on wood. Like it can, that's it, wood it's on, a thing. It can, it can happen. Wood on wood can squeak. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just tighten everything. Oh, who knows? Set one, tighten everything. Or set one, take the mattress off the bed. <laughs> then lie on the floor. <laughs> and then roll around on the floor. Okay. And, then, and then roll around on the mattress to see if you can feel a difference. Mm, like, anyway. I did briefly have my mattress on the floor when the old bed had to be got rid of but before the new bed frame turned up. But you know, mattress on the floor is always indistinguishable from mattress on a bed frame. Mm. Or it's just a solid thing that you're putting a mattress on. Also, we'd pretty much have to get our mattress from Ikea because your old bed is Euro size. Oh, really? It's a Euro double. Because we've yeah. got a regular-ass double mattress that doesn't fit it properly. Mm. What's the difference? Um, and I think they're a bit longer, Euro beds. Hmm. Like, for taller people. Which Rob is not. No, it does bother me either way. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Neither of us are particularly lanky. We could do of having a foot cut off the end of the yeah, bed. Yeah. Get some more space in your bedroom way. Yeah. Get an even smaller bed. Turn it around sideways and sleep on it lengthways. The problem is, is if we got like a, a California king or something, it would basically just fill the entire width of the room. Yeah. 
Be, it would, the room would just be bed. That'd be a great bedroom if you just had a fitted bed where instead of carpet, it was just one <laughs> huge mattress. You just sleep anywhere you want. <laughs> just lie down on the floor, literally. That's not a terrible, super terrible idea in many ways. Just like my entire room is mattress. It'd be impossible to like actually get around. Sheets on it. Yeah. Or if you if you had a partner and you tried to actually get up and walk out, like you'd just be like springing it everywhere. Yeah, you would be able to sneak around that bed. Boing, boing. It's beginning to sound like a sex dungeon. Yep. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> sex cauldron. <laughs> I thought they <laughs> shut that place down. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of Star Wars? Can't talk about it. I won't say anything other than... Zach, we'll never be able to talk about it because you're never going to go now. Well, I'm... I still don't know. I don't actually know whether Mum's seen it yet, and that will be. Well, I might go again. I'd, I'd, I'd go again. It's fine because <laughs> it doesn't cost me anything. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> oh so yeah, I doesn't care. Um, or you know, I could wait a few months and it will come up on now TV, like Rogue One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget you have that. Yeah, it won't, won't be too long. Uh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much meh did you feel about the first one? Oh, I, I like the first one. Right? Me too. I think Force Awakens is a good film. I think um, we're on the same page. It's, it's, it's not like I. It's not like I dislike this one. I'm just whelmed. Yeah, yeah. There were chapter. Yeah. There were bits. I'm trying to focus on the positive. Like there were bits I liked in it, which we can't talk oh, about. Yeah, there are some shots in it, like from a visual standpoint, that are really brilliant. And there's some character stuff I like. I still really like Kylo Ren and, and Adam. Kylo Ren is the best character by yeah, a long he's shot. The even, best. If, even if he feels a, li- a little bit out, out of a time loop, like his character probably should have existed 15 years ago when emo was more of a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a valid yeah, lifestyle yeah. choice. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but he, he he's good. And anyway. <laughs> when, he, when you could imagine him slinking into his, into his, um, I don't know. I don't know, even know what you call his room and some of the equipment there and just lying back in his chair, listening to the Rasmus, then <laughs> like, then, then we yeah. could have been okay. But, so, and, and of course, because I like the force awakens, I was really looking forward to this because like, you know, everyone knows that the force awakens was kind of like a remakey type thing, but it needed to be, mm. I think. And I felt that was fine. And this was the opportunity to break away from that and do something new or whatever with these awesome, well, I thought cool new characters and setting and everything, and then uh, and then so I was really excited, and then I was like, oh man, damn! So I was it was sad. It's 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 strange. Um, it's got a it's a very strange structure in its storytelling, and that in many ways it feels like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean two, where they suddenly go, okay, here's a billion here's a billion story threads. But right. unlike like Pirates of the Caribbean, where they they were all not they weren't going to conclude in that episode. They were just like, okay, we're going to leave it somewhere somewhere, and we'll and we'll close the diamond in episode three. Cool. They just decide to close the diamond in a really unsatisfying way. I mean, one of the things I that annoyed me about it was it it actually for me made Force Awakens retroactively worse because. Like, oh, really? Yeah, because there are things that are deliberately set up as like cliffhanger type things in Force Awakens that then and, uh, and yes, this yeah, makes it this yeah. makes it clear that there was no plan and that yeah. annoys me because it's like who made Force Awakens? JJ Abrams. And what else did he make? Lost. It's the same bloody thing where they like <laughs> set yeah. and and if if you think about like for example the scene where 
um, the flashback where Ray's parents are like flying off in a spaceship and she's like, come back or whatever, or, or like the Knights of Ren, stuff like that. It's mm. like, I, th- I thought there must be a plan, right? But it, it kind of, this kind of makes it clear that they have no idea what they're doing. Um, no. And that annoys There's a lot me. of characters, and all of which are, should be good individually. I mean, in, you know, in terms of what they were going for. Yeah. But when you're actually watching it, I kind of don't care. And then... I, 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 I found myself, like, to me, the, the actual killer of this is I actually, at several points during the film, I was sat there actually asking myself if I liked it. Yeah, me too. Rather I had that throughout the film. I wasn't like rather than just being it. swept away by it. Whereas Force Awakens, when I first saw that in the cinema, I was totally swept away by it or whatever. I wasn't thinking, do I like? No, this? I, I was. I was critiquing it, which is which I yeah, kind of don't want to do. Exactly. That that disappointed me. But then maybe it's my fault. You know, maybe I'm too much of a fan or something. Maybe. Yeah. And then I was thinking, maybe I just don't. You know, I got a bit depressed because i was like maybe i just don't like anything new and i like i'm i'm old now and only like old stuff but the 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 counterpoint to that is mario and zelda i know they're an old series but (laughs) they are unreservedly great that the what like zelda is an example of doing something brand new with an old thing that was brilliant (laughs) you know yeah so just because i don't i don't want to i don't want to poop on it too hard either because i think there are parts of it that oh yeah I'm not. I'm not going to explain what they are here, but there are con- things yeah, about it that stuff are conceptually in very interesting and good for the industry. And you know, wider it, there are wider things about it that should that are that are good movements in film. Yeah, but they're just executed badly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. or not as well as I would like. Let's see what you think, Zeg. Uh, yeah, that'd yeah, be really I, interesting. I, I, would, I was overall a, a bit sad about it. But never mind. Um, Star Wars isn't everything. Saddened by it, but you know, because it doesn't really. Yeah. Anyway, I won't won't say anymore. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Star Wars. They didn't do a Death Star. I'll say that. Well, that's good. The third one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the middle one, which doesn't have a Death Star. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although there was the, as you know from the trailer, uh, Zeg, but there was a ridiculous scene where they, they did, obviously they were doing a Empire Strikes Back style, like snow, speeders attacking walkers on on snow fight, right? Which is in the trailer. But there's a bit where a guy's in the trench with the walkers coming towards him, exactly like Empire Strikes Back, and he, le- he leads out to the white stuff and licks it and he goes, salt. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, looks at the camera basically looks at the camera being like ah it's not snow it's not exactly the same just 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 in case <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to underline this is a salt flat it's a it's a new biome that we haven't actually used yet just so you know also i sort of wish i didn't that the trailer actually i think is detrimental to this film as well in yeah that, yeah, uh, not not explaining too much, but I knew things had to they did there had to be more to the film because when of, I yeah. when I think it was trying to surprise me mm. because of the trailer. Not that I think those trailers are that badly edited, but I think they do do it a disservice overall. I'll say one thing: it had a sequence that reminded me of Kitty of the Cat Racing from Grim Fandango. Oh really? Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway. yes. So yeah. 
of course that was a uh, lucas arts production so you know they've got to recycle their anyway <laughs> yeah that, that sequence was out of place but anyway uh, anyway <laughs> star wars <clears throat> oh boy right yeah, video we'll, games. That out of the way. we'll come back maybe we'll do a spoilerific version of that once once we've all seen it maybe that'll be entertaining I'd probably well, complain about star wars forever talk about it on the podcast when i see it yeah That's how that will go down i guess makes sense We'll, we'll find a place for it. Maybe at the end, we'll just go, okay, here we go. Go, go spoiler territory. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, by the time I see it, it won't matter about spoilers. Yeah, by the time <laughs> okay, spoilers if I don't see it like within the next couple of weeks, I guess. <laughs> when, when is the floodgate gen, it's like deemed for like that stuff in Star Wars land these days? Well, there'll be a, a bloody, almost certainly terrible Han Solo film coming out really soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. I've forgotten about that. That's going to be a disaster. Yeah, Rogue One was fine. Yeah, but this is going to be like... I'm worried this is going to be like a comedy or something. Anyway. It's going to be too much cheese. Too much cheese. I'm in for that. Probably likes cheese. I'm in for the cheese. There's quite a lot of cheese in Last Jedi, to be fair. Anyway. I want some Grand Padano layered all over that. I want a a jug of cheese sauce to go with my hand solo. (laughs) I'm just worried it's got Amelia Clark in and I don't think she can act. <laughs> like, she's all right in Game of Thrones, Super. but anyway. News! News! What's going on in video game land? <coughs> I suppose the most important thing is the Nintendo Mini Direct. Nintendo. Well, most important, I suppose. Woo-hoo. For us, anyway. Because it didn't exactly say that much. Really? No, nothing, nothing massively exciting, but a few new game announcements and some remasters and stuff like that. Stuff coming to Switch. I mean, at, at the moment, we're still a little bit in the lurch about what's this year's big Switch title, right? There's not been, we haven't really heard anything from them other than they don't need anything. Metroid. They don't need anything big for a while. Um, I don't know, a yeah. whole year without some. Noteworthy it's not going to be a year, though, is it? There'll be something. Yeah, there needs to be something this year. Um, if you if you think like you know the N- Nintendo's recent um, announcement to release window has been pretty short, C- yeah, Kingdom, exactly. uh, Kingdom Battle, you know the Rabbids thing was like E three to yeah, few, that's not technically Nintendo. <laughs> no, true, but you know Nintendo control that pretty. That that's that that they keep the lid on that pretty closely. That's just how they do things. Um, and also, it sounded like when they talked about it at that E3, like they'd actually been making that game for quite a while, but yeah, they'd actually yeah. managed to keep it a secret. They'd actually <laughs> managed to keep it fairly secret <laughs> up until, was it a month or two before E3 when stuff finally started leaking? Yeah. And then no one believed it. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's, like, it's, kind of, it's kind of real. Uh, yeah, so it, I, let's just get this out of the way. New Mario Tennis game. Yes. Yeah. Exciting Mario for us. Uh, it might be Is it? me. Theoretically exciting. Looking that, at that, that nothing footage. has been good about Mario Tennis since the either the, the the first two, right? The Game Boy one and the and the N sixty four one. That's yeah. true. Well, how many have there been since then? The GameCube one was uh, not good. So there was Power Smash on the Cube or something like that, and then I think they did a re-release of that on Wii with motion controls right um and then they did the world tour version on wii u a couple of years ago which was apparently the worst one they've ever made oh really 
Like it was oh, a full price title with no I content. Missed, oh shit, I missed that one. Well, it's well, hard to make content for a tennis game, technically. Yeah, well, this one they've done like a, they've done like they've taken the story mode from like the Game Boy one, right, or whatever. Maybe and, I mean they referenced the story Game Boy mode. one, but who knows yeah, what the actual story they, mode will be like. They literally said for the first time since the Game Boy one, we're putting a story mode in. Right. I just think looking at the footage, it looked slightly encouraging the way they were powering yeah, up that was the main thing it like it well, the looks is the, wii, the wii u one looked good and like visually but like I, but I mean literally like the way they're moving yeah. yeah it's like it looks like they're starting a charge and then it's like slowing them down yeah, and it does. that's like drift and stuff it kind yeah. of looks like baratelis 64 or whatever everything will be in the feel of that game right because they exactly that's what was fundamentally wrong with everything after that other than you know power moves and stuff yeah. and there's like there is the risk of that last shot in the trailer where you know he manages to power smash the racket out of where wario's hand and i'm hoping that's a story sequence is mm. is like is like like maybe that's part of the story mode and that they just make that happen because if it's like power moves again they really need to figure out a way of making that work mechanically in a sort of fair and competitive way yeah because that was always the problem with like the star moves or whatever they were called in power smash and that they just sort of felt like they were randomly given to you and the, uh, but the other thing about that power smashes like you could turn off those moves and that was fine but the core yeah, gameplay yeah. wasn't as good as it still was. wasn't as good yeah, yeah so they just have to get that right again as um, funny as those animations were though because you know nothing nothing really beats waluigi turning the court into, into a, a swim swimming pool for yeah. no reason and swimming to the <laughs> <laughs> well his entire character is for no reason so <laughs> yeah uh, and, you know it was great that they leaned into that in that respect but like from a gameplay perspective it was pants well, so you I'm, never I'm know. I'm holding out hope. You, you, you're right. You never know. They're on an upturn, but and, maybe, and we'll, yeah. maybe we'll get a Mario Golf on Switch as well. <laughs> I think golf games in general seem to have like sunk. I haven't seen any. Well, golf it's because games the PGA Tour ones got bad. Yeah, the EA stuff. Well, EA, yeah. well, EA. Well, this is the one, the one EA sport title that got bad. I suppose yeah. was golf, other than NBA. Yeah. Well. Well. Okay. Yeah, that, that the track record for EA just doesn't hold well anywhere across the other than other than Madden and FIFA. They're the only games that seem to do well at the moment. Um, yeah, the golf got bad. Golf story, yeah, surprise, not sort, exactly, sort of a sleeper hit of last year on the Switch. You could argue that that's not, that's not really, really a golf game at some point. Well, yeah, you know, yeah it's top down. You know, it's old school golf. Yeah, basically, it's sensible golf. No, oh, cats and white golf. <laughs> or cats had enough of that. Very Game suddenly. Boy, Game Boy Mario Golf, which had a story for some reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 it did. RPG yeah. golf and was quite good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not holding out a huge amount of hope. Anyway, it's quite but, soon though, isn't it? It's like spring or something. Yeah, not far. Hopefully, so, we'll get a demo. That'd be nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, get, get, get a taste of the of the feel of it and then go nope yeah exactly that'll actually let us know because yeah. that's a game where a demo will actually help yeah you can tell immediately well unless yeah. it's rubbish and then they won't put a demo out <laughs> but then did Ninty put Ninty, they haven't put many demos out for their own products not yet no, no. I mean they want their, I think there was talk recently about there being more demos coming to Switch but that might just be all the third parties oh, or, or maybe <laughs> they're doing like late demos right their, their title's been out for a while they've made the sales and it's like okay let's try and rope a few more in let's do a late demo hey. but also they haven't really 
had many games that you can make demos <laughs> of. Like you can't make a demo of Mario or Zelda. <laughs> mm, yeah, Zelda would you'd struggle. But I reckon you could do some stuff with Mario. Yeah, but you could you could waste content in Mario. <laughs> you know, you want all the content to be in the actual game. If you're then letting people get some of it for free in the demo, devalues the main product. I mean, that's the true of all demos, in fairness, but... Yeah, but not so much for, like, a sports game where you're just playing a match. It's like... That, well, but then, that, but then that, a sports game is entirely... The whole game. <laughs> but then a sports game is entirely that, generally. Like, I almost think it's the other way around. Like, a demo for a sports game is probably more detrimental. Only if it's bad. That's the thing. If it's good, then it's just like, well, this feels fine, so there's no reason to not purchase it. But then if the demo's too good, why would you buy the real thing? Yeah, but the demos are never going to give you, like, if it's a tennis one, I bet it will be, like, singles. And you'll only be able to play against the CPU. Maybe. There's not ever going to be any multiplayer in that demo. <laughs> Maybe. That's true. You could play it forever. <laughs> like we used to do some games back in the day. Yeah, there were some but... demos that were, like, almost, like, famously mistakes. Like, the ones I reference are Shadows of the Empire, right, where they gave you the whole Hoth sequence, uh, it gave you the which best is all you needed. Yeah. And, and Skate, although I did, I did end up buying Skate, but they gave you a skate park. And then you could just... Was it timed? Yeah, yeah it Skate was. was timed, though. That yeah. was why that demo yeah. was bad. <laughs> that was what encouraged you to buy the extra game, because you had to keep restarting it every, like, 10 yeah, minutes true. when but the timer ran out. But it basically it had all of it in it, didn't it? Like, you could do... It even had Wait, the uh, half-pipe, yeah. I guess. But then you could do, like, the, what is it? Yeah, the Tony Hawk's 2 demo was pretty strong as well, with, like, the, mm. that opening level. Um, uh, you know, so you could get a, get a feel for how that game functioned. I mean, and used then, to get quite. I mean, co- well, it wasn't even the opening level. It was one that was about halfway through, wasn't it? It was the first skate park or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, that, that classic disc we got in 95, the Command and Conquer demo had like three missions in it or something, mm. including one where you built a whole base and had like freaking orcas and shit. I seem to remember. And that was in the demo. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big chunk. And those were out of sequence as well, weren't they? So they yeah, were like yeah, yeah. Three random missions. Yeah. Um, or. I'm sure there were racing games that we just like would only play that one track on because that's all we had from the demo. Wipeout 2097. Like, yeah, but yeah, well, boy, I played that demo way too much. Or the Screamer 2 demo oh, was yeah, pretty Screamer good as well too. until we actually bought the full thing. Yeah, then we played just then we just played through two shit on. There is a pattern, right? Where like generally, if the demo is really good, we bought the game, even if the... yeah, generally, yeah. generally. <laughs> what a surprise! I mean, they worked with us for back yeah. then. I mean, there were the odd demo that was somewhat, uh, I guess you could call it slightly misleading because you'd, you'd play the demo and be like, oh, the rest of the game's just this. Well, the one not was, much more of it. The one that was weirdly like misleading but then turned out better than the, 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 the demo indicated was Revolt. Because the physics in the re- real game were better than they were in the demo. <laughs> oh, I do not remember the demo for Revolt. <laughs> I only remember the, the final thing. Which was weird. Like the it was it was mainly weird because like in the demo version of Revolt you'd always used Sprinter XL the blue car. Oh no, I do remember this because that yes. was like the best car. Mm. But then when you got to the full version, it's like that the physics had changed and that car was way harder to control. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> I guess I'll use one of these other cars that's now better. Was that just because we were exposed to the various physics options at that point? No, uh, I think maybe it was the demo like legitimately the... different. Because mm. I think even in the demo it had the physics options. Because it was like before you entered the race, that was part of the menu you went through. Was the physics options was 
on the way to choosing the map and the car. And in fairness, only really controlled collisions. Yeah. Mostly. Not your actual grip. Well, I tried playing the N64 version of that the other day. That game is hard. <laughs> like, it's almost impossible to control. <laughs> you have to get used to it and make sure you pick the right car. Because mm. <laughs> some of those cars were very, like, for a great seller in the full game. That was <laughs> real difficult. Revolt. Uh, what else have we got in this Nintendo Direct? We, none of us played The World Ends of You when it was originally a DS title. Yeah, I, so I thought about it at the time. But then mm. I <laughs> yeah, it does look interesting. But that's uh, being remastered and brought to the Switch. The Switch. Uh, what else do we care about? We don't really care about Dark Souls remastered. That's coming to everything, not just the Switch. Yeah. It was just weirdly sort of revealed on the sweet. Uh, I, yeah, I do wonder what they'll change in that, like if it is just a visual upgrade, or if it's actually designed to fix some of the jank, or if it will be like a 60 FPS update like the PC well, version. Well, that'll does. be the main thing, like the f making the physics work at, at, the, at a like normal frame rate nowadays mm. would be a help. And also what they do about like the back-end online systems. Oh, sure. Because presumably they'll have to build some kind of new version of that for this remaster. Yeah, I imagine they, they'll probably just... But did they, they... Did they turn off? I think they may have already turned off the original Dark Souls or something. Well, because originally they had the problem with games for Windows Live, and then that got shut down, and oh, they had to repatch that to <laughs> make yeah. it work again. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh... That Kirby game got a name that I can't remember. Star Allies or something? Yeah. It's confusing because there's still like that other Kirby Battle Royale also is still coming out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, too many Kirby games are happening simultaneously. Well, this Kirby game is just more like a straight up old school Kirby yeah. game, right? This is the, the actual Kirby game. The Kirby Battle game. Royale is like a weird mini thing. game. Yeah. There's a demo for that. Yeah. Battle Royale. Which I haven't tried. Uh, anything else interesting in that direct? I'm struggling to remember. Not really. Nah. They didn't really they didn't go back to the, any of the made announcements. They didn't even make any more hits, but I guess it was a mini. Maybe we'll get an actual Nintendo Direct relatively soon, and then like maybe the Pokemon company will come back and say, yeah, we're still working. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Poke Pokemon's getting DLC. That was the other thing I can remember, but not that interesting and also you know is it going to follow smash Bros. pricing are you going to get fighting pricing wrong well yeah maybe i mean the trouble that was always the trouble with Pokemon. it was just like there were so few characters <laughs> it's, it's like that's if, if it does follow smash Bros. pricing it makes it even worse because there was already so few characters in that game you want more characters and then they're too expensive <laughs> mm. whereas in smash Bros., we didn't really care if we didn't have two more characters because we already had like 30. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the money ratio didn't work out in Smash Bros. It's interesting as those characters they added seem. Yeah. As ridiculously overpowered as they seem. Mm. <laughs> According to the pro play, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that Bayonetta, though. Uh, yeah, so there was that. It's my, my um. I apologise, I was trying to bring the notes up on my phone, but of course the note app decided to update itself as I was doing so. So that's, that's not helpful. Yeah. 
Modern well, we've got some other we've got some other remakes, not Nintendo ones, right? It's true. Not remakes, <laughs> remasters, whatever. Remasters, yeah. Releases, well, basically. Yeah, kind of. Slight, slight improvements to old games that are coming back to suck your wallet dry. Such uh, as Burnout Paradise. The Burnout we're not that happy with. The Burnout everyone likes except us. Like, yeah. just just remaster Burnout Three and I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, totally will. Even, even, revenge or the three six, whatever the three sixty one was, I play those. Yeah, four was not as good, but it was good still. There did seem to be some like I did see a couple of articles floating around about about hey, why don't they just re-release Burnout Two? Sure, which is because that's a weird one, right? That was before the takedowns were really a thing. Well, that was like the transitional. It was less weird than Burnout One. Yeah. But it wasn't quite so takedowny as three was, because three no. was one hundred percent about takedowns. You know, two two was the one where they expanded upon their boost mechanics more than anything. Yeah, that's true. But I think it all came together with three, really. Yeah, and and then four a, they added like of... tra- traffic checking, which was dumb. I think. Yes, very bad. <laughs> you oh, should. Instantly crash if you run into someone <laughs> coming the other direction. Oh, but they weren't coming the other direction. That was the thing. You had to check yeah, from behind. The traffic checking oh, right. in the same direction was even worse because it's like <laughs> the physics of it didn't make any sense. Whereas right? you just hit them and they ping miles away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you were literally firing them. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really, I thought it was, I thought tra- traffic check, pinging, doing a traffic check to ping someone miles ahead of you into another player. That was brilliant. You might as well just have know. weapons at that point. I mean, come on. You're going to do that if that's going to be a te- tactic for taking people down. Just give you a weirdly like weak ass weapon that can do it, and not have it be traffic checking. Because traffic checking just ruined the whole like ruined half the obstacles of the game. Sure, it was like yeah. the whole point was to avoid traffic and weave through it and get near misses. Yeah, and then they replaced that with traffic checking. You could still do that on the other side of the road, okay. though, right? Because but that was all you would do, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't stay yeah, on the left hand side. Then it made it too easy and... to stay on the other side of the road because you just traffic check through the traffic. You wouldn't be getting boost for it. Yeah, but you'd still be getting some boost because you were on the opposite side of the road, and that still gave you the points for that. No, but you would... no, because you wouldn't be getting boost because you'd be have to be checking the traffic. So you'd be travelling with traffic, so you wouldn't be gaining boost that way. No, you could traffic check opposing traffic. No, 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 that caused you a crash. I don't think it did. That was the whole point. No, I'm not sure that was how it worked. Pretty certain on that. Pretty certain. Because <laughs> yeah, otherwise that wouldn't. There'd be no, near miss wouldn't be a thing anymore. It pretty much wasn't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's right. Anyway, they're remaking the the open world one, which just I don't know. They didn't sit well with me at all. It's just I thought the races were duller, and the uh, um, you know, you found yourself doing the same routes more and often. And the world was like. Like you went so fast, and the world was so small that you had to turn pretty. Like I don't know, and but I guess none of the races were like fixed route either. So like the, the no, they were like get to this, get to this, get to this fixed place, and it was always yeah. the same fixed places on the edges of the map, and it was yeah. like so the finish points were always the same places. Yeah. But that meant I don't know. You never, I, you either learned a specific route to get to that place, and did that every time. 
or you would try an experiment and often get lost and end up on a path that took you completely the wrong direction because it wasn't clear where it was going. And even if you tried to follow the in-game's like directions to say, oh, you need to take the turn here, they often came way too late because mm. you were traveling at such speed and it's like, oh, I need to take which turn? Which turn? And what would... Oh, no. But yeah, just, I just, not a lot about that game really made me that happy. Mm. I still finished all of it, but pretty much, but... You seem to be the minorities in this, though, for some reason. Yeah, I don't get it. Anyway. Give me more tailored challenges, please. Uh, Catherine is coming back as well. Of all the games that they, they could... I don't think Catherine should have really had a remaster. I think it deserved a sequel of some kind. But a completely different, like, perhaps the same premise, but a completely different cast and storyline. Different Catherines. Hmm. Um, I don't know if a remaster really does it for me, but not just <laughs> I actually really quite liked that game. Like, not, but I think I share the opinion of a lot of people where I really liked its story premise way more than I liked its puzzle. The puzzle gaming mechanics, yeah. um, and where the puzzling actually got really hard towards the end of that game, which then of course stopped your progress uh, through doing the the fun stuff and seeing where it all goes. Mm. Uh, so they have complicated things with this remaster because it's not a straight remaster they're adding a third romance option however that's going to work um, with another a third Catherine who's not called Catherine it's just called Rin but that must be a shortening of Catherine in some way that kind of dilutes the concept doesn't it <laughs> I don't know. having a well, third well, it, I mean it could play out in some interesting ways like potentially mm. Well, yeah. But then... Yeah, yeah, but they've never really crossed paths too much, the two Catherines. That was kind of the point, apart from a couple of scenes where it was, you know, the classic uh, don't look round the door frame kind of thing. Catherine. 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 Shame, shame it's not a sequel. What else we got? Uh, oh, I've got my notes now. So, like the other uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze was the other remaster Nintendo's working on. Oh yeah. Switch. Well, uh, probably not enough people played to... that. So yeah. Yeah, that game, and that game's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, that might but, be worth a punt. Depends how expensive it is. If they release it full price, yeah, yeah, annoying. Which I yeah. bet they will. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's carrying on their trend of re-releasing Wii U stuff. The Wii U stuff, yeah. Um, well, you know, which is cool. That's fine. Not, I can get behind that. With that. Yeah. I do reckon. Right. I do reckon they will eventually bring out 3D World, like Super Mario 3D World, on on Switch as well, along with Mario Maker. That's got to happen, right? Mario Maker will definitely. Happen. But that'll be a new game. Well, not new, but you know, new version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a remaster. Although I think they could quite happily get away with like a sort of. Oh, they could, but plus I'm, plus I'm, edition, like I'm, Super Duper Mario Maker deluxe edition yeah or something yeah, yeah, yeah but that maybe. is basically a new game at that point if you, mm. if you make significant changes to like the mechanics and stuff or just make it work more just, just more and put more yeah. things in it then that is just a new game that's not a remaster because really that's all the game is is yeah, the I guess. stuff I guess yeah you just you just want to add more Mario to your maker there's an English language release of Detective Pikachu coming <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. yeah, with his ridiculous Pikachu. voice. 
<laughs> he's, <laughs> have you seen he's got like a like Detective Pikachu is not the same as Pikachu. He's got like a weird gravelly voice. Like a he's got like a deerstalker hat, like he's Sherlock Holmes, and but he sounds like a kind of noir American detective. It's really weird. <laughs> it's just like from the perspective of like. You know the, the the mystery dungeon world where the Pokemon all talk and things like <laughs> oh, no, that. Like, it's in the real world, isn't it? Is it? There's I mean, Pokemon in it though, right? Sure. I mean, not the real just... world of the Pokemon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. where humans are Pokemon. It's basically like this Pikachu is like Meowth from the anime, where it's kind like of. suddenly one of them can talk for some reason. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, it's like Meowth. Yeah. And it, this specific Pikachu has like a weird. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. And they're making a giant amiibo for some reason, which is like twice the size of the normal Pikachu amiibo. Sweet. Who doesn't like big figures? Thanks. Uh, There's um what else we got? The other thing I had was that they were they were doing some DLC for Mario Odyssey, which adds a Oh yeah. Not exactly what, DLC. I guess. Yeah, it's a somewhat pointless balloon game that I don't really like the look of. Just some extra stuff. It's not paid yeah. for, is it? No, it's, it's no. free. A free update, okay. Um, uh, the only other bit of news I got here is the Vive Pro is a thing. Oh, yeah. forgot about that. I mean, God knows how much that's going to cost. Oh, boy, that is the one problem with this. Yeah, the Vive is still hella expensive. The Oculus actually got pretty reasonably priced over the break. Mm. Like It was going for like 300 quid, I think, at one point for like the, the Oculus and the touch controllers. Oh, really? And it's like, yeah, it's it's got it's got pretty pretty decently priced. Um, although that wasn't the room scale version. If you wanted room scale, you'd still have to somehow buy another sensor and figure out how yeah. to set that up with long USB cables um, and stuff like that. So that's still reasonably awkward to do with Oculus. But but via going down the like super pro route or whatever, yeah. like best so possible sounds, experience. Yep, wireless is the key word here. Wireless, amazing. Yeah, someone they finally figured out how to do it. Like, and this is I, the because it's a higher years. resolution. It's a higher resolution screen as well. Yeah, like so. It's so it's higher resolution in the headset. It's super low latency wireless, wireless. video, which maybe they borrowed off built in headphones. Wii U, I don't know. <laughs> well, they borrowed off Steam Link. <laughs> that maybe. works pretty damn well considering it's streaming a PC resolution monitor over your home network. Hmm. Sure. Uh, but it's but in VR, like the latency has to be unbelievably low, like yeah. not not just controller input low. It has to be like uh, to avoid the swimmy head feeling. But that, it won't have to go over the whole distance of your house. No, 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 you'll no, be no. pretty much adjacent to the transmitter. It does. It does yeah. seem like yeah, there has to be a fairly beefy transmitter set up in your in the in the room. Like that thing looks re- a reasonable size. Um, Surely the, the distance thing in your uh, house isn't going to make much difference, though, Seg, is it? Surely that's well, the light, no, light speed, right? Right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yes, yeah. but light speed is slow. That's the trouble with communication technology. No, it isn't. Like, it's not slow. Light speed it's all is the other slow. stuff that's slow, isn't it? Surely it's the conversion to and yeah, from Yeah, it's all the conversions, isn't it? Yeah. Sluggish bit. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's slow for long, super long distance, right? Well, like, yes. space. Well, even... Distances, yeah, it's pretty slow. Satellite delay, yeah, that's a slightly different thing. Yeah, well, that's a lot further, right? Going to geo or synchronous orbit and back is quite a lot further than going through a cable to, to yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, oh, no, yeah, that was my point, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, this thing seems 
It's, yeah, it seems pretty awesome if it's true. The, oh, it's got built-in headphones as well now, so you don't have to worry about wearing a headset over yeah, the volume. Where's the battery going? <laughs> yeah, where is the battery? How heavy is it? Is it? What's On the back the of your head. <laughs> what, yeah. More importantly, what's the strapping like? Have they learned from Sony and Oculus to make slightly more comfortable headset? Yeah. Well, if they get all those things right, I want to try one. I need to see if Hope oh, absolutely. Gets, gets one for her office, then I'll go back for another visit. Yeah, oh, I just want to try your, uh, your VR out for a bit. Yeah, yeah, done it once before, so hopefully they'll upgrade. I'm sure they will. Yeah, sounds cool. I, I didn't see the enough detail about the strapping or anything to see what it's actually like. Like, but the the, the bullet point list of just, it's just wireless. That's the thing. It's just just that. That's that's the big takeaway. Oh, something about they they've got like they've completely redesigned the lighthouses, so you need new ones of those to make this work. Um, so you can't use your you can't right. necessarily like use your existing again. lighthouse yeah. setup. Yeah, it's like it is like a full ass revision. A full ass revision. Which, <laughs> it's a plastic surgeon. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're revising your ass completely. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see um, what that's like. It might be this next step in the VR land. Yeah. Cost is still the, the, the in fairness, money is the only hurdle. Otherwise, I think I'd have one of these right now. Do you think? Yeah. But don't you think this is like, this is pr- proof positive that everything's still evolving quite quickly, right? And that like buying one of these things at this point, it's probably a bad idea because the next year there'll be something better. Like Maybe. But then how do you, like, what would the yeah, step where do you stop for Vive Pro? Yeah, beyond Vive Pro, what, well, what else is really on your head? <laughs> I mean, you I mean for you, though, like, you've got a really powerful PC, so you're in a good position. Yeah, I can, I can actually yeah. power this stuff. Yeah, you yeah. can actually power it, whereas a lot of people, like, they'd be paying for the thing, which would be really expensive, and then they'd need all this equipment just to get it to work. Hmm. Well, that's not going to change, though. <laughs> it's always going to need fairly ridiculously large amounts of power. I mean, in well, theory, you could argue that an Xbox One X is probably powerful enough to deal with this, right? In well, terms of raw GPU requirements. Better than PSVR, I guess. Yeah. Not that I have too Even much of a problem. Even though PSVR had its own breakout box, which was meant to help with that. Yeah, yeah. Not that I have too much of a problem with PSVR. I do think it actually works surprisingly well for, mm. for the limited amount of technology that it actually utilizes. But what's the ideal then? You want to be able to power two high-res screens both at the same time at 120 hertz. Is that is that right? Is that what you want? Uh, yeah, ideally. I think I think some of some of the headsets out there only run at 90 or something weird like that. But so you kind of want four times the gaming the PC that you would normally need, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it's not. Uh, I don't think even Oculus is like a full 1080 to each eye. It's like right 1080 shared or something. I, can't, I really don't know the honest answer. Like the horizontal but, resolution, I think it ends up being less important than vertical. Well, we'll see what Vive Pro do as well for their resolution. Don't mm. know if it's different. It, it is supposedly higher in Vive mm. Pro than it is on the regular Vive, which did make me wonder. Oh, is, does this actually mean you need a more powerful rig to drive it? Are they actually going to force that resolution on you, or can you just run a regular Vive Res or something, mm. and that the screen's good enough to just scale it nicely or you know super sample if you need or the other way anyway interesting VR yeah. still fun I still want to play shooty fruity go 
we should probably get to what you've been playing. Um, yeah, that's the, well, that's the end of the news. There's no news. Yeah, there's no other news. News over. Tell us about Mass Effect 2, Dan. <laughs> um, it's pretty good. Uh, why? <laughs> what do you mean, why? I mean, why, why are you playing it again? I don't know. I just started thinking about it. about it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. And then, I don't know, Zach Why played it all it? again. <laughs> well, I played it several times, but that was mainly because I was still trying to get like all the different run-throughs done, and I never right. did. Still never finished that full Renegade run. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are going full Renegade. I don't know, I was just like, is that was that as good oh, as no, I remember? I and it's like, obviously it's aged quite a bit, but not that badly. And I was trying to remember, it's actually more shooty than I remember. Um, mm. And of course, there's all the planet scanning. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but much yeah. easier with a mouse. Thank yeah, God. which is quite easy with a mouse. <laughs> well, uh, I, at first, I was like, "Oh shit, this is going to be boring." And then I realised that you need an upgrade, which you get really quickly, that makes it doable. Because at first, it's terrible, and then it's like, "Oh, oh, now I and can do." And also, you know, if your mouse happens to have speed control buttons, yeah, just bump up your speed while you're doing the scanning. It makes it much quicker to move the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you can just speed all around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, trying to remember, it's, it's the fact that like, I think I said this before, but it's like the performances are pretty good. Um, so it doesn't matter that the animation isn't amazing, like it's good enough and it's not off-putting. So Mm. you can sort of just concentrate on what's like, some of the animation is a bit like, especially because I think in the first one it was very sort of, um, talking heads like sh- over the shoulder shots back and forth which was yeah, yeah. basic well, but like, worked but in, in mass effect 2 they're like... trying to do some sort of characters getting up walking around sitting down in scenes and stuff and it it's like a bit awkward <laughs> it doesn't quite mm. work <laughs> like they're trying to be a bit more ambitious about it in this one and uh, i think they probably got it but right by mass effect 3 but mass effect 2 it's a little bit stilted they like randomly stand up and walk around and sit down and then resume the conversation in kind of a weird way um, but yeah, I mean, compared to the Andromeda stuff, yeah, it's perfectly pliable and uh, and good. And and I've just forgotten the worlds and stuff. And some some of that stuff is is quite nice. Mm. I just wanted to like Star Trek around a bit, but not, you know, visit some planets and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you don't drive the Mako. No, that's true. There's no Mako stuff. Um, or I suppose, I suppose, are you playing with all the DLC downloads? Yes, you, they, play, you can play with the not maker in no. the DLC. Did, did Mass Effect 2 have the weird hover no. floaty craft? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I've, I'm playing the Steam version. I think it's all on Origin, isn't it? But like, I remember there being a whole problem about trying to get their DLC. Because well, it's, it's not technically... You, I think you can still get it in the Steam version because it's not technically in Origin. It's in Cerberus Network, which was the DLC delivery system they made specifically for Mass Effect. For the game, right, yeah. Huh. And I think if you can find them, you could technically just download the EXE files that will just install the DLC onto the game. I think on Xbox... Because I think I still have those saved. I think on Xbox right. they might have actually been separate DLC packages, but you accessed them through Cerberus in the game, but it still pulled up the Xbox downloader or something. It was, a, it was a bit weird. Yeah. So like if you can get it to sign in, assuming those servers still work. Oh, yeah, because you had the Australian dude as well. He was DLC. Yeah. Free DLC. But yeah, I think theoretically, not that I'm saying you should do this, but I think you could probably just get the EXE files from somewhere on the internet and just have them installed. Right. Because <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure they are just installers. Yeah, probably. Anyway. Yeah. 
but I'm doing okay with just the just the core game. Um, see, yeah, hovercraft missions were pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good. Oh, they good. <laughs> Showing uh, that like the hovercraft is a superior mechanism for driving around. Yeah, of course, <laughs> they were, the Mako they were, car. They were quite fun, and then there was there was the, the pointless one was the revisit the Normandy crash site. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the initial one. Right? Interesting in some ways. Yeah, but the Merc—that's a fairly big bit of DLC, right? Adding a whole character. Yeah, and then well, and the other character they did—the stealth thief woman. Oh, I don't remember. Was she paid for? Or I don't remember yeah. her. She was. Yeah. I think she might have been the last DLC. Hmm. That mission where you you have to go to a party and stealthily infiltrate their secret <laughs> cool computer server in the party. Oh, was this set on? Uh, was is this one of the ones? Oh, what's the rebel asteroid thing called? Omega. Omega, Omega set yeah. there or something? I don't think it was. I think you started the mission there. I think, mm. but then you got in a shuttle and went to this party wherever the hell it was. <laughs> I'm in a party <laughs> shuttle. But yeah, Just you the... The, like you had the chef and had to get dressed up, so you had to get a nice fancy, of course, suit, nice or whatever. I that was a suit you could wear throughout yep, the rest of the game. I think you could. <laughs> Sweet. Just land on an alien planet with a suit and a helmet. Yes. That's badass. And the Shadow Breaker, of course. The classic. Oh, the Shadow Breaker. I, ne- I never played that, but everyone says that was like one of the best it, like in the entire series, that might be the best story. I, I don't really remember much of the gameplay of the Shadow Breaker. Like the story mm-hmm. is a, is, you know, that's a thing. C- kind of important in some ways, but I don't really really remember I only remember the very end of it, where you're like infiltrating the Shadow Broker ship, and then you fight your way through the through that. Then it's just like fighting in a ship. <laughs> it's not that distinct, I guess. You go outside a bit, which makes it slightly interesting. I know the outcome. I know the outcome of it is sort of spoiled by Mass Effect Three in yes. some, some some ways, which is a bit of a shame, but the whole kind of necessary, I suppose. Yeah. So, how far are you in? How long uh, it, seems, it seems like you were popping up on Steam a lot. No, don't think so. I've only hmm. got as far as like the, when it opens up after the after you go to a collector attack or whatever. So now I'm it's opened up all the loyalty missions and and the second round of dossiers, whatever. Yeah. Once um, you actually like get through the whole Omega thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've done all the Omega where you get Garrison and um, Morden. Uh, oh man, sorry. Some of this is all flashing back now. It's good about the elusive man and, and the elusive man. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like, good. Oh, and and how and how I thought some of the set design in Star Wars probably should have cribbed from the elusive man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I like I like the elusive man stuff in in two. He gets a bit ridiculous mm. in three in terms of his motivations, but in two he's a bit more mysterious. And um, yeah, and the whole like, oh, you're working for Cerberus, and uh, is that cool, and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's pretty nice. And and Morden's a great character, of course. He's not in the first game, so so it's good to have him and everything. Um, so I'm just got to decide what what's the next mission to. Do. I might go and do the. I remember the tally stuff being quite good in Mass Effect Two. Uh, is she? Uh, she's was, back was that, on her. Her mission is the one where the like the planet you're on has the really bright sun, where you can't stand out of shadows for very long. Uh, right. But so the democratic flotilla story was three, was it? Because there's one about there was some sort of internal turmoil amongst the. Well, they yeah, also the flotilla. Two, two 
when you find Talion, who is the Burning Sun planet, and then her loyalty mission loyalty is mission. then Just the go to the <laughs> fleet and, fleet and infiltrate that busted up ship. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That stuff. So, yeah, I gotta go and. I, 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 Tally's one of my favorite characters in the whole series. Yeah. To be honest, she sat really well with me. Garrus is good. I like his voice acting. Yeah, Garrus. In is, fact, yeah, Garrus is proper cool. Morden is cool. Like it's got good characters and stuff. Um. Which I like, and I haven't seen for a long time. So there, there was a thing going like a recent. I can't remember who posted it, but like one of the journalists over there, they were talking in depth in depth about how they could make a Garrus Vicarian Private Eye game, and it'd be awesome. Yeah, because he he's kind of weird in this one. You get you you meet him again, and he's like then like a crazy like vigilante, not really That's a mercenary, good. but like he, he he's had a whole team as well that mm. all got killed. But I don't know what he was really doing other than trying to un- rid the galaxy of scumbags. Yeah, mm. I think he got he got fed up with CSEC and was like, I'm gonna but, I can do this better on my yeah, own. But but yeah, but he basically is like a vigilante, I think, right? Mm. So he's he's trying he's fighting the these powerful gangs, but f- for no like reward really, as far as I can tell, other than to like fight eat fight crime, I guess, or fight evil. I don't know. He's like the freelance police or something. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Because was he, you, you meet him and have to do that sniper mission? To get yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like, team. everyone's calling him. Um, uh, they give him a, a stupid name. And he's, oh, right, yeah. he wears like full face armor so you can't tell who he is and stuff. And you don't know it's him until you meet him. And it's like, oh, it's that like. Shepard. This is my favorite story in the Citadel. Shit. Yeah, that's one thing Rex is kind of missing. It's missing Rex, unlike yeah, yeah. it's got like Grunt, who I I've just found Grunt or whatever, but he's still in the tank, so I haven't actually. Okay, yeah. I might just leave him there. <laughs> Don't know if I could bother. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do. I think you can leave him in the tank for the entire game and not open it. Well, I wonder how that. Oh man, that that's really interesting. Because then, like, what happens in three? Because he's. But it doesn't care what. No, but then Shrew Grunt won't know who you are. Well, I think everyone knows. They can probably wait, hand wave that quite easily. Maybe like, mm-hmm. oh, I've been told about you after I came out of the tank on the <laughs> world. Rex oh. told me about you, probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not like Grunt actually knows you at all. He doesn't actually get much time to develop any knowledge of anything during that aspect. Too technically, he comes out of the tank without any actual knowledge. Yeah, he has theoretical knowledge, instincts yeah. and shit. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Sure, but he talks to you a lot during Mass Effect Two if you want to. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say he actively talks to you that much. <laughs> talks to you I'll, a little bit. Maybe I'll go and have a talk to him. Like yeah, all the all that stuff is, and I like the ship and stuff. It's cool and everything. Like the the aesthetic of everything is nice, even though obviously the graphics are a bit dated. Um, doesn't matter as much as it used to, does it? No. Well, yeah, it's the sort of the three sixty era is where it sort of started getting out of what I guess we could consider that dated that dated look of old three yeah. D. Yeah. Yeah. It's got where, nice... you know it's 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 definitely got the three sixty age definitely has a style now. If you look back yeah, at it, definitely. it's like, this is what we could do. And it's like, you know, something that's been surpassed by model, uh, modern physically based rendering and all that, all that yeah. nonsense. Um, but, you know, it's a charm in a, in a strange way. It's a style that keeps its charm, which is less true of PS1 and PS2 era stuff. You could argue. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, 
obviously three look looks better but i did uh, two i like the i like the kind of weird story of two of where you're you're you know the elusive man stuff and how you're just like recruiting a team it's a bit more like normal star trek or whatever where it's like it's not a big overarching story necessarily or it is but it's like they make good on the on the awkwardness of a middle chapter in a trilogy right yeah exactly with the exception of its ending but it's well, only the very, very end. Like the ending yeah, is good. Yeah. It's just the it's just the final boss. The boss is stupid. Final boss, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the actual ending, like the the suicide mission, is a really is a really good idea that was pretty well executed. Mm. Apart from, that. I think that was my one my one complaint with it, at, even at the time, was that you know because of the freeform nature of how you go about getting through that game, that the stakes always felt lower. Right. Than, the, than Mass Effect One, like there was less yeah, well, of a they... drive. There was less. Of, there was less of a con- coherent storyline through it all. But which is fine. They were going for a different thing, and um, but it's not necessarily a, 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 a bigger drive for me. Even if it doesn't say like race against time at the end, and you just spend like, four <laughs> hours doing other things. You know, in Mass Effect One, it didn't. You didn't know that the stakes were as big as they were until quite late on. Yeah, and sure. it also didn't seem like Mass Effect One had any race against time to it because you were just trying to follow the Spectre dude who was clearly doing bad things, but it didn't point yeah. to anything yeah. major happening immediately. No, but no. you know what I mean. Like some of, some of how you progressed through that game and learned more. So I know this, there is this stuff in Mass Effect Two as well, but like the way you could go in one, the major locations were always progressed something well they um, were very clear about this is the story mission yeah not that they don't do that in two i guess except in two they don't the two, in, two in is one, more, in one it basically reveals to you where the story missions are from the start yes it's like if you go do these this is when you're going to progress the story whereas in two it's just like as you're doing other stuff it's like oh you've done a sufficient other stuff now let's have a story mission now but, but, even yeah. when you, but even when you did the story stuff it wasn't it didn't push things at forward as much as the story stuff in one that was, that's what i mean that's it was probably all, true two, two is all about the side stories it more is than yeah it's about it's about its core story which i like because i like the side stories like oh no, no they are more. good but like yeah. i sometimes i like having that drive at, 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 at times like right really like okay okay this is why i'm invested but in three it almost felt uh, it was pretty horrible because like you had the drive to like stop the reapers and finish the war but the entire game like you, the reapers were killing everyone on earth right you, the, mm. there was no point where you didn't feel like everything was you know going to shit and like do you know what i mean and then like, you had to do side missions <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, which felt yeah. really weird whereas that isn't yes, a problem right, too I always found that really strange about three is it's just really depressing because like the, you know, you're doing side missions while everything's on fire and you can see reapers like destroying every world of the, of the galaxy. Yeah. All the home worlds. Right? Yeah. Getting reaped. <laughs> so, will you reap him with your grim reaping equipment? Yeah. One reaps. I was talking about I was talking to someone about Mass Effect Two yesterday, and then started talking about Kotor and Kotor Two, and I was like, Kotor Two was the weird one, right? That was Obsidian and like had mm. like all these weird morally gray because I was thinking about Star Wars as well, 
like in comparison it like kotor was like pretty spot on in terms of star wars and then kotor 2 was like they really went really weird with it and it was like rushed and and i was like hold on a minute i'm in the middle of a playthrough of kotor 2 i'll fire that up so i fired it up that was 2013 <laughs> right my, my save game file says yeah <laughs> anyway some time ago <laughs> so maybe i'll carry on with with kotor 2 um i sort of it's good I, I, I'm still not sure if I prefer the KOTOR style of click on the entire sentence that your character is going to say and your character doesn't say anything and instantly expresses that. Mm. Or the Mass Effect more cinematic style of your character is fully voiced but you only have like a, a wheel that doesn't exactly tell you what you're saying. You, right, you, I see. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like, uh, um, I think it works well in Mass Effect, and I, I really like that it can make, because it makes it fully, you know, cinematic. Because you can actually choose the option before the other person finishes speaking, so that it sounds like an actual conversation. Whereas, obviously, in in Kotor, you're it, the the person just, you know, sits there waiting for you to pick the sentence to say. So it doesn't actually work like a movie scene but at the same time it's kind of once you get used to it you know exactly what you're saying and what they're saying do you see what i mean so it doesn't look as good and you don't have your character and everything talking with a good voice acting and stuff but in terms of actual story and investment i think it might actually be better the kind of more traditional rpg way Do you see what I yeah, mean? Because you can exp- you're reviewing every choice yeah. in detail. You mean exactly, and you get the full meaning of the mm. sentence you're saying. So that means they don't have to, because in Mass Effect, they every response in every single conversation has to be like a question from a set of things on the left, or like a good or or or, or like a you know a paragon, paragon renegade, renegade sort of response on the right uh, or you know do you see what I mean? everything is kind of like conversations have to be categorized in a certain way um mm. whereas um every conversation in the game has to fit that model whereas if it's just free-flowing text you could have any there's no limit to the kind of conversation that you could have you know so i think it was a bit more freeing mm. for the writers and stuff the the but the effect is different. It's kind of interesting, but anyway, yeah, like, it's it's trickier to have a more nat- have a natural conversation, or at least have a slightly more natural conversation flow out because Mass Effect attempts to get around that by putting the options on screen early. Yeah, exactly. Like during a conversation where like they're on their last sentence or something, it's like, oh, okay, here's how you follow up. Yeah, and you can pick the option and it will flow. Yeah, um, which is nice, but yeah, as you say, you've got less time to figure out what's going on. And in fairness, that is the model that has kind of stuck with us. It has, thanks yeah. To, thanks to things like, you know, Telltale series and um, yeah, the, the, the quick conversation choices you have to make there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, I think it's that one character really in KOTOR 2, Kreia, right? Who's like the interesting one, right? Because she's like a, she's a Jedi master, but she's like <laughs> true neutral. I think sure, yeah. The, uh, was it the the oh, what do they call her? Um, she's the she's the blue lady, right? Uh, no, is that, she's is that the one. No, who, she's who like a, who lives by her own code and stuff like that, and attempts to. Well, she sort of does that. She's is she blue? She's she's like quite pale, she's and like she has li- a hood that covers her eyes, so she can't see. And she's got. Oh, was this the beef lady? I don't remember her at all. This is like the main 
secondary character in Kotal 2, I would say. Oh, Kotal, sorry. Oh. I was getting confused with Mass Effect again, sorry. Oh, no, no. So, yeah, this is okay. one character in, in KOTOR 2, which is, like, I think is the reason to play. It's really, because, like, obviously those games are old, and they do, they really are showing their age, because that's, like, OG Xbox um, mm. kind of graphics. Um, but, yeah, she's really interesting, um, because she does this whole thing where, um, um, you know, you do your typical, like, charitable thing as, like, a good RPG person where someone needs help and you help them out, right? Some random person. And she's like, why did you help them? Like, like, and and then explains that, like, charity can be bad for people and that they can become, like, dependent or whatever or that yeah. they don't get experienced. And, and that, you know, if you're giving them money or something, then they're going to become a target and they're going to get robbed and all of this stuff. And um, And then she's like, Ah, but so you're ro- by helping them out, you're robbing them of experience, but you're gaining experience. As in, of, co- of course, it's an RPG. You're literally getting mm. experience. So if, if she's like, if that's true, then go for it. Like you got to help everyone out and 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 feed off them and suck. You know, suck. You know, by helping them, actually injure them, but gain power through it. Um, mm. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I, I guess it's a sort of self you know, an analysis of the RPG genre. Exactly. <laughs> and also of like the Jedi way and stuff. She's, she's like the question, question everything basically, which is kind of cool and not the sort of thing you'd expect in Star Wars really. She's like, no, she's like, walk the line, don't be light side, don't be dark side, whatever kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about her because I never really played Kotal beyond like the opening sequence or something. Like, really, really didn't touch it at all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's something about not that I, it was one of those. Kotal's always been one of those games that I think I can appreciate at a distance, but actually playing it doesn't look like anything I would. I mean, it was good at the time. This, you should yeah. have played it in two thousand and three. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, but yeah, and also because I was a Star Wars fan, that was doubly good. But like, it was, it was basically proto Mass Effect, hmm. you know, except it because it was still on the like D and D system from like Neverwinter Nights or whatever. But it was fully three D, and it was Star Wars, so like, it, it was pretty good. It was kind of Bioware coming into their own after. Like, because what did Bioware make Baldur's Gate, right? I really don't know. I don't have, I don't have much of a... They, they did do, like, classic RPGs, I think, that people mm. liked, but they were just too... Too... Too dense. Nerdy, yeah, for me. <laughs> so when when they made a, like, accessible Star Wars game that happened to be the best thing to happen to Star Wars since the original movies, during the time when they were putting out those terrible prequels, mm. um, that was like, True. Yeah, this is great. It's like, oh yeah, things in Star Wars can still be because don't forget, let's, uh, it's not right off. There were some pretty great Star Wars games around that time. Like even, even you know, there's a bit of a bit of the Age of Pod Racer, which is good, even though it was based on. Yeah, but Kotor is the best one, and like ever, probably Republic apart Commando? from. Yeah, Republic Commando is good. I think Kotor is up there with Tie Fighter as the best Star Wars game. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe. Rebel Assault 2, I quite like. No, not Rebel Assault. What am I saying? Rogue Squadron 2. Uh, yeah, Rogue Squadron's good. A lot of people no, have a fondness for Jedi Knights too. Yeah. Anyway. KOTOR is the best one. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitive. The Happy Salad best Star Wars game as of 2018. KOTOR. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't see it being beaten. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I got a little bit of admin I forgot I forgot to mention. Um, I kind of bulged up the very first category we talked about in the um, in the goatees. Oh, how so? Uh, in the sense that it was supposed to be like the best old game that we discovered in 2017. And I didn't actually mention any of the 2016 games that we covered. I only mentioned the older stuff. Oh, so there were some things that we perhaps should have considered a little more deeply. Um, not many, but there were there were things. Sorry, yeah, when we were talking, when I was making a joke about <laughs> having a fake award there, not really a joke, just a poor thing to do. Um, yeah, it just reminded me. It's like, oh yeah, we I screwed that up. And I was meant to mention it at the start of the cast to be like, sorry guys, we we should have talked about you. Uh, I'm pulling up the list now. Yeah, we should have talked about. Uh, alienation, Deadbolt, Enter the Gungeon, importantly, mm. and Hyperlight Drifter. So yeah, sorry those games. Well, you've given a convenient segue to something that I play. Right? <laughs> Have I now? Because I played like a couple of runs of Enter the Gungeon because <laughs> I felt oh, okay. like I needed to play some more of that, and I got a gun which I had. Well, a I hadn't seen it before, and b I'm pretty sure it had actually been patched in since the last time I played. It was just. Mm. Had, got included in one of the factions. It was pretty cool, because it was the... You already had the prototype railgun, now you just have the railgun. So it's like like the prototype railgun, only even more ridiculous. If you remember the prototype railgun, yeah, it's basically like the Spartan laser, I guess you'd say. Oh, it takes it a really up, long charge up, yeah. And then fires instantly across the room, and it's a railgun, so it penetrates and all that stuff. And it does a ridiculous amount of damage per shot. But then you have the real railgun, which still has the charge, still has penetration, the shots do less damage per shot, but they ricochet like 15 goddamn times, <laughs> and each ricochet angles the shot slightly towards enemies. Wow. So you just charge up and then you just fire, and then just this like trail just goes do, 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 across the room and just <laughs> murders everything. That's pretty great. And obviously it's pretty fucking effective against bosses if you just shoot perpendicular across the room and it just goes backwards and forwards through them like 10 times. <laughs> So that was entertaining. Nice. Nice gun. A good find. Yeah. And I also relatedly to that watched a video of someone else playing it and saw a gun that I'd forgotten was even in the game. And I was like, oh yeah, that gun was cool. The, fa- the face melter. It is just a guitar. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and it plays a guitar tune while you're firing. Of course. You just <laughs> hold down the trigger and go... <laughs> Nice. And, and it's like reload function you place an amp and then the amp also fires and it fires like the guitar and the amp fire in like a cross formation mm. just notes come out of them so you place <laughs> the amp somewhere else in the room and then you have like you cover even more of the room with just notes coming out of it nice it's a pretty cool gun Ends the gungeon a game of guns yep a lot of good guns sometimes guns it's a cool gun, but nothing is as cool as the rad gun, of course. Nice. It's literally the coolest gun. Sits <laughs> on his name. Yep. It's totally rad. And also, you know, there's that se- <laughs> if you don't know about End of the Gun, there is actually the secret stat of coolness. <laughs> what? Which is what influences cool guns to drop. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I know of, because I never actually looked this out, but this was in one of these videos that I watched, was like one of the things that can increase your coolness is smoking cigarettes, but it damages your health. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you can sacrifice health to increase your coolness stat. But you wouldn't know it was doing anything unless you knew that the coolness stat existed, because you just lose health and nothing happens. So it's just hidden 
is it? Yeah. And then, it's like, there's a couple of things like that in Isaac, like hidden influences so it, that you don't necessarily know. But so, you... the, like, but is when you say cool guns, is that like guns that tend towards just being like well, this, this particular sort of attitude, what, sense of cool, maybe, or, or, or is it like, cool in terms of better? Yeah, maybe it might just be like whatever they've decided is cool. Hmm. Maybe you get ice guns if you're cool. <laughs> that would also make sense in the end of the gun and dumb logic way. Yeah. In the world of puns, yep. You get the oh, what is that gun called that's not the Desert Eagle? There's the Dungeon Eagle, of course. <laughs> sure. There's another one. Oh, it's the it's, it's the cold forty five, where it's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that game! <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, it's good that it's getting a shout out here. Yeah, we we should have talked about it. Yes, we, it may have even won that category. Yeah, it might have done. I can't even remember what we gave it to. No. Forget that. We'll talk about other stuff. Here's, <laughs> Forget that. Here's another game that I can talk about that, you know, should have been included in Game of the Year, but except not really because it would have probably been irrelevant. I played the whole of Steam World Big 2. Sort of just before the Game of the Year podcast, I guess. Yeah, you're sort of in, in, in process, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Steam Sales and then, then play that. I say I played the whole of it, but I guess I didn't technically play the whole of it because I kind of accidentally did the sequence breaks. Because <laughs> hmm. in SeaWorld Big 1 also had it, but there's a specific achievement that tells you that there's a sequence break. And I sort of knew where it was in SeaWorld Big 1, but I just couldn't do it because it was much harder. But in SeaWorld Big 2, I was like, okay, there's a sequence break. And then I found it and I was like, oh yeah, that's not even that difficult to do. <laughs> so I did it for all of the free places where you have to do it. Because it's this weird... What, like, the last upgrade you get is the jetpack, which I haven't actually seen because I see what's broken. <laughs> yeah, right. So I don't know what the jetpack is actually like. Never actually used it. But it's a jetpack that you fly around, and then I think there's an upgrade you can get that lets you basically, do, like, smash through walls so you don't really have to worry about digging so much any longer while you're using the jetpack. Which would make sense because there's one level that I didn't use the jetpack for because I was seats breaking, where it's just a, basically an incredibly long corridor where the floor is just lava. So you're having to like dig into the little bits of earth that are hanging down from the ceiling. And it's quite difficult because instead you have the grappling hook, which is where the sequence break comes in. Because the grappling hook it fires in like it's only four directional because obviously this is a grid based game at some point. So it fires in four directions and it just latches you onto the roof or whatever and pulls you up there. But because it's actually momentum-based, if you like start grappling onto the roof and then as it starts to wind you in, you release the grapple, you can actually like get upwards momentum. So you can like hmm. sling yourself upwards and that's where the sequence break is. There's, there's a hole in the ceiling where you're meant to use the jetpack to get up, to, up into it. But if you grapple onto the edge of the hole and time the release correctly, you can just sling yourself up there instead. Thereby allowing you to not have to actually get the jetpack. <laughs> so I did that. And I very nearly fucked myself up because I was trying to sequence break too hard. Because <laughs> once it tells you that there's a sequence break and you and then you work out what the sequence break is, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's how that works. But then I I was looking too hard for other opportunities to sequence break and very nearly trapped myself. Because <laughs> there's another room with a hole in the ceiling. But in this room, the roof is like ungrappable. So you're not meant to be able to do the sequence break trick to get up there. Mm. But unfortunately, there is actually another way to get up into that hole that you're definitely not meant to do, where if you have the, if you use the, 
whatever, like ability or whatever, if you equip the ability to make it so you don't take damage from your own explosions, you have a grenade launcher and you can actually grenade jump up into that hole. It's a very precise jump. You have to do it incredibly dodgely and then you have to like really quickly grapple onto the side of the wall, which is still grappleable, which you wouldn't normally be able to reach from below because you can only fire the grapple straight up. Mm. But if you do that, you can get into that hole and I was like, yeah, obviously, secret break. I'll just, I'll do that. It's, I'll, it'll take some time because it's quite a precise thing. But then you go in there and this whole section is designed for the jetpack, which, you know, you're still not thinking that's actually a problem because, you know, the whole point of this sequence break is you're not getting the jetpack and mm. you've done it all these other places. There must be a way to get around it, yeah. But the trouble is that you go into this place and it's the it's this, like, it's earth that you mine through, but then it respawns after you've gone past, basically. So you're digging through, you dig down this tunnel and then you go into this thing. And at the bottom, there's a power-up station that's giving you a power-up, but it's a power-up for the jetpack, so it's basically irrelevant. It doesn't do anything. But what it does do is generate a save point at the power-up station. Uh, right. So now you've got a save inside this place. And then to get out, you have to go like up and around the corner and then up back up through the passage that you dug down initially. But the trouble is that what you're, you're going up this passage that you went down. So going down, obviously, you're just digging the tiles under your feet and you're dropping down, mm. and that's fine. But going up, you need to fire an explosive at the ceiling, you have these sticky bombs. Fire it at the ceiling so it explodes, knocks out a block, then do it, fire another one so it knocks out the next block up, and then quickly grapple up into that hole before the blocks respawn. So a block ah. spawns underneath you so you can stand on it and then you can mine upwards. Whoa, okay. But in order to do that, you have to have ammo for your sticky launcher. And because you've already had to go round this other bit of level, which you're also having to do this trick for, you don't actually have enough ammo to do this mecha- do this upwards climb unless there's one singular enemy that spawns in this section that you can kill and will sometimes drop sticky bomb ammo, but only enough sticky bomb ammo if you also have the ability that makes the enemies occasionally drop three times the ammo. <laughs> so I did have that. So I could eventually have got out of there by just basically suiciding until that enemy dropped the... <laughs> power-up I needed, and which I eventually did, but then I discovered that, that was pointless anyway because according to the developer, even though when you suicide and respawn, it spawns you at the power-up station, apparently if you quit the game fully and load back in, it would put you outside the door to that whole section. Right. So it's not a true save. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very nearly sequence break myself into a softlock. <laughs> wow. Which would have been pretty funny. I guess that is always the risk if the developers are thinking, like, sort of planning ahead and being like, okay, we know that people are going to try and break this, so we'll put it into the game to encourage it in some ways, and we'll, we'll think of it, and it's like, oh, no, wait, we didn't think of everything. Yeah, we didn't think hard enough about it. And then, yeah, so I got to the end of the game, and it was quite weird, and I feel like I might need to play it again, because it's like you come... Because you, you've sequence break past basically this whole section of map... Apparently, there might be quite a lot of story that happens in that section, aside from getting the jetpack. Right. So I came to the end, and I'm like, this seems kind of abrupt, but yeah, I guess it would be. And then also there's a moment in the end sequence where you mysteriously have the jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it doesn't account for that. Because it was scripted, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And so, so what do you think of the, like, our, like, breaking it aside? Tell us the first thing. It's a, just a better version of the first game, I guess. Okay. It just plays better. But, ma- but, you, but you were quite the fan of the first one, right? Yeah. It's it's a fine, like... I mean, I don't know. I guess SteamWorld Dig 2 has slightly more emphasis on, like, puzzle rooms, where it's mm-hmm. not like you go into a door and then it's here's a set 
thing that you have to do. Here's a puzzle to solve. Right. Be it like a movement challenge or a kill the enemies in a certain way challenge or whatever. It has more emphasis on that. Whereas I think in, if I remember rightly about CWD1, because it's been a long time, that was just more like, here's the one giant level, just get through it. Right, I see. <laughs> so that yeah, it feels a bit more architected? Like, yeah. is, it, is it like, well, could, is any of this like random gen? No. Or, like, it's, all, it's all like... Yeah, it's all pre-made. Hmm. And even, you know, it's sort of, because of the way this game has the power-up system slightly more prominently, it sort of encourages you to, well, not encourages you, it sort of makes it more Metroidvania-y in, like, having to go back to places that you've passed before because you didn't have the ability to do the thing. Right, I see. And it, then you see what Big 2 has the upgrade tree where you can toggle on and off special abilities so you can slightly modify the playstyle. Hmm. To your liking is it like a way of making that like harder for rewards then like, yeah it's got it done like the last tier of things on that list is like the skulls basically no, I see. <laughs> turn up the difficulty options hmm. except i only ever got like one or two of those and one of them was just like straight more difficulty <laughs> and i don't remember what the other one was so yeah there's that see what dig too pretty decent game. I recommend. It's much larger, I feel like, than the first one, but also I haven't played it for so long, I don't really remember. But yeah, there's a lot of... Even though I didn't see some portion of this game, so there's <laughs> some amount that I don't know, the, the map was still pretty goddamn big. It's like these three vertical columns of digging that you go down, like the plant-based one, and then like the temple, and then the earth in the middle. And also, if you if you care about SteamWorld, it's, you know, it's the continuing story of the Steam World universe. Yeah. It comes after Steam World Dig, it comes before Steam World Heist. It actually oh, still, explains... so still before Heist, interesting. <laughs> well, Heist, you know, is in space after the Earth has blown up, and the spoilers, but at the end of this game, the Earth blows up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> so that pretty much explains how that got to that state. <laughs> Which means there's probably not going to be a Dig 3. No, presumably. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, a prequel... Or like some some other part of the earth happening at the same time. Or they're going to do like another a different Steam World game or a Heist Two or something next. Yeah, maybe because they just re-released Heist on the Switch. They did, so you know that makes sense on the Switch. But well, they've I... already put the effort in to make the PC and console versions after the because it launched on DS first, right? Yeah, yeah. They clearly had some higher resolution assets to in the back. I guess this convert is upwards yeah, instead so, of downwards. I assume this had been planned from <laughs> the outset. Yeah. So yeah, there was that. Nice. Uh, I also played a, quite a large amount of Rise to Ruins. There's a random thing I picked up in the Steam sale. What is that? It's a weird, like, combination 2D. 2D top-down thing sort of combines tower defense and like town building and a tiny bit of black and white <laughs> or door fortress maybe a bit of that too that same style of thing building a town you're building towers to defend the town and the tower defense element is like you basically don't want to you don't want to have an actually fully enclosed city you want to have like a zigzaggy passage that encourages all the monsters to walk down it so they can get shot at by your tons of towers sure <laughs> so are you in influencing nearby places and then throwing them around randomly not quite just... the black and white element is that you basically have like some miracle type spells that you can do oh it better make the noises <laughs> not quite ah 
but one of one of the one that reminded me well the two that reminded me most of black and white is obviously you have grab so you can just straight up pick shit up yeah you can uh, even like pick up resources and dump them into building sites to help construction along or you can pick up you know people or enemies even just throw them into a turret yeah exactly <laughs> the, on like there's a certain structure that sometimes appears naturally on the maps but you can also build one where you can basically just drop stuff in there to gain mana so if you want to if your if your defenses are starting to get overwhelmed you can just help out a bit by chucking enemies into the sacrifice pit and get them out of the way <laughs> but if you do that too much it overloads and then like lightning bolts start hitting everywhere yeah right does a ton of damage to all your surrounding buildings so you know it's got a trade-off and then the other spell that sort of reminded me of black and white was like the growth spell where you just fire it off and create a like trees area that, like plants and trees just grow all over the place hmm. which is actually important as i learned to managing the defensive aspect because obviously at the start of the map you choose your where you're going to start building your base and you look at like where the choke points are where you can easily defend where you want to build your little zigzaggy path or whatever but on like the wider map scale it can be useful to use the growth spell to like encourage trees to block off other routes because like if you can oh, force the trees to grow across a passageway the mm. monsters won't recognize that as a valid route at all they won't pathfind into it yeah because the trees are just through. a full obstacle like rock right. is essentially they can't so they can't bust through things like they that. can but only they only like try to if it's like one tile wide it's like mm. the pathfinding can see one square ahead but not like two or three right i see so if you can encourage the trees to grow sufficiently you can use them as like a natural wall that the monsters won't path through so you can actually use that to make your initial early defense much easier hmm. But yeah, it's quite a, you know it's a small it's a one man project, so it's quite a small game. Assume it's early access. Like, yeah, it's like still most early things access. you play. <laughs> but it seems to be getting some fairly regular updates, and yeah, as it is quite small, it's not overly complicated. It's one of those things where it's like you solve the problem once, and then you, then that's just you've solved it. Right, <laughs> you see. only have to learn how to build the tower defense mechanism one time and then you're like yeah, yeah that just, just works yeah and also like there's no real it's like there are different types of enemy and stuff but there's it's like basically irrelevant because mm. everything just piles on you at, at the same time so all you're really doing is just fitting as many turrets into one space as possible <laughs> so it's, it feels like there's probably some work involved to make it a bit more like a proper tower defense game that you have to perhaps adapt as you go maybe or, or just like some other kind of like it does have a couple of other mechanisms that vary up like what you have to do, except the tower defense still happens. Like, so the monsters attack at night, basically. So you have the day and then you have the night and then all the, all the monsters pile in at night. So you have the day to adjust your defenses and repair or whatever. But then you can have special events that happen, like the blood moon, where during the night, not only do the regular monsters come in, but just blood slimes appear all over the place. So basically, okay. you can't do any repairs because your villagers are all busy fighting shit all over the goddamn town because right, blood slimes yeah. are just popping up all over the place. <laughs> so it slightly modifies things, but not really. And all the, you know, all the monsters basically charge in. The only difference is that you have fire elementals that are the range units, except. The obvious counter to that is you just build the tall walls that the enemies can't see past so that they have to come around a corner and then they're right adjacent to your turret so the range doesn't matter. <laughs> That's how you solve that problem. And then there's ghosts that can just pass through your walls, but they're fairly infrequent and they're, you know, 
they still get shot. <laughs> <laughs> they can pass through walls, but they can't pass through bullets. <laughs> no, somehow, for some reason. Because games. Yep, basically. And yeah, so it's got a little, the town building aspect is the other thing that you're spending a lot of your time doing, building up. It's really a case of like build order where you're like, because it's difficult, it's difficult right at the start. Because even though you have like a grace period of a couple of days before the monsters actually start spawning, it's still quite difficult to actually survive on as low resources as you have at the start. Hmm. But then once you've solved that problem, it's just like, well, now I can make my town <coughs> nice, I guess, rearrange things to make it more efficient so I don't have to worry so much about how on the edge this is, I suppose. Hmm. But then eventually you come to the point where it's just like, I built the marketplace and now I can just buy resources. And it's not even that difficult to get enough resources anyway. The only thing, because all the resources, you can just use the growth spell to regrow them. And mana is essentially free, kind of. You harvest the crystals that you turn into mana and then you use the growth spell on the crystals to grow more crystals. <laughs> so essentially free. Right. So you just use the growth spell on trees and food and crystals the only thing that isn't renewable is rock but then that's what the market's for <laughs> you just buy the rock and it's not too expensive so you can just sell off some portion of food or whatever so yeah it's not overly complicated i did spend quite a long time playing it also i because i wanted to experiment to see what the how the systems of this game would react i did go to the trouble of clearing an entire map of monsters which is like, you're clearly not meant to do this because it's meant to be tower defense. Right, yeah. Like no, you're not always offense. meant to have the monsters coming at you. But eventually, because of the way the monsters don't path through forests or mountains, you can like dig a tunnel into a forest and just stick like a long range arrow turret in the forest where the enemies can't path to it. And then it can just gradually whittle them down, whittle <laughs> down their swatters. And then you just jump between patches of forest and mountain and keep building more of these arrow turrets. So eventually you can clear the whole map. Didn't do anything though. Oh. I was slightly disappointed. Yeah. I was like, I should have won. It should just be the end of that map. Game over. But, you then, have won. but then it didn't matter anyway because the game crashed and the same clock crashed. Because <laughs> it's early <laughs> access. So there you go. <laughs> well, that, that is a win condition in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been more funny if it, if it was because of why he did the game crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what do we do now? <laughs> it's night time and there's nothing. So yeah, there's that. And that's pretty much me, I guess. How did black and white gate your spell casting? Like, if I wanted to just create... I don't remember. If I just wanted to Norse power my way through everything. There was some kind of mana, right? Yeah. Like prayers, right? wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. I'm sure you had. You couldn't just keep doing it because you ran out of some kind of. But it wasn't a bar, right? That you could. Was, it, was it like a building that got tall or something? Or, like so, it was like a bar, but it was like in world. Oh, well, the, man, I maybe. I mean, the main building that got tall was the creature pen because that showed your alignment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether it got spiky as all hell or. Of course, it was the the worst thing was in black and white one where you had the miracle uh, miracles as bubbles. Oh yeah, <laughs> where you could only cast them that one time if you had the bubble. Mm. <laughs> that was bad, very annoying. But, yeah, just cast North Star on goddamn everything. Yeah, all the wood you could ever possibly need. <laughs>
because it was yeah. much easier than growing trees. Not so true in black and white too. It was actually much easier to grow trees in black and white too. You didn't have to worry so much. Japanese power. Who had the green power? I'm not sure I've asked this every time, but I can't remember because I used to use that most of the time. So like, oh, I'm running out of food, grain. Yeah, I don't remember. Is that even a specific one? So no, hold on. Wasn't grain and wood the same power? Wasn't it both? Oh, were well, they both Norse power? I think so. Oh, yeah, maybe they were. Yeah. That's why the Norse were their power. Mm. <laughs> it's why you, that's the thing about black and white, where you had, where some, on some of the levels you'd start with a faction that had, like the Japanese, where you just didn't have the right powers. You're like, oh, I can see a Norse town over there. I can fucking get that quick. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that game, like, is just. To... rocks at them for several minutes. <laughs> I just got stuck on that one level, right? You get really powerful, but you can't influence the next town over. So you're just like, and you don't have your creature. So you're just. Yeah, stuck, that was, right? the, it was, it was the, like, it was the one where it took away your creature. That was, it just was fucked stalling. it up. <laughs> I think I did eventually get past that level once. You just throw rocks over the enemy while, while they're going, well, not enemy, but the, the unconvinced people. Mm. It's just like, I don't yeah, know what you were meant to do. Influence. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it was intentional that that level was the one which had the invincible guy in it? So Probably. you always had something to throw. <laughs> no, maybe. Except the invisible guy still had to travel back to his spawn point after you threw him. So it didn't really work. No, nothing really worked on that. It really messed that game up. <laughs> oh, well. Still had a memorable song. <laughs> It was very memorable in general, like atmosphere, like all the creature stuff. Like, it was, it was so much good stuff in there. They just forgot to put the game in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really annoying. I know. And Black and White 2 had a, had a stopping point for me as well, where it was like they had a mission where you spawned in into like a ruined town and the enemy were immediately attacking you. And you were meant to use your creature to defend, but of course, if you haven't been training your creature to fight, you're completely fucked. Because <laughs> you didn't know that was going. Yeah. They didn't quite... Yeah, they didn't quite nail the whole, uh, like, you can play this either way thing. It's like, oh no, we put you in a situation where you need a certain skill set that you probably don't have. I think several games get that wrong, right, when they have, like, skill tree stuff. Like there are some I'm trying to remember. It's like if you're specced in a certain direction, like like for stealth or something, and it's like then you get into a bit of forced, well, like forced combat. Deus and you're X like, was the classic. Example. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Human Revolution. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. whatever the first game's called. That, uh, was Human that is no. Human Revolution. Yeah, Mankind Divided. Oh, yeah, is the, the yeah. second one. Yes, that was the classic example where like here's a forced boss fight. If you've been doing stuff up to this point, fuck you. <laughs> Good luck, sir. <laughs> In fairness, I had that problem sometimes in the first game where I'd get myself into situations that it's like, oh, crap. Like, I either have to go try and load an old save, which I might not have, and come into this in a different way, or I'm really boned right now. I'm going to have to go in a situation that I'm just not set up to deal with. Yeah. There was definitely a couple of... The same thing as happened in Human Revolution, where there was a couple of cases where it was just like, maybe this will be the time to use some exploits. Yeah. Well, not real, real exploits, but like use the cheapest tactics possible. Mm. Hide in a vent until no one knows where you are. And then shoot them in the knees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did that a lot in the first day. So, yeah. Wait until the music stops. <laughs> yeah. Because then you know the enemies have gone back to their patrol routes. And then in the Human Revolution, it was the use the homing gun. 
Just hold down the fire button, point it vaguely at the enemy, and hopefully they'll probably die before you. Or, of course, the ballberry explosion. Just unlock the ballberry explosion, yeah, and yeah. then that's basically your get out of jail free card for pretty much all the combat. That did seem like a super weapon. <laughs> And attack you with tiny, tiny balls. But a lot of them. A lot of tiny balls. The great particle effect if they made that so, you know, like here's, here's so a, they actually existed, rather yeah, than just yeah, yeah. a thing that happened. We'll just do some physics on it and make them all go. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. It'd be like those weird tech demos that you always get at like E3s when they're showing off a thousand rubber ducks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or 128 marrows. Just have a rubber duck. Explosion. Rubber duck gun. Yeah. <laughs> Any rubber ducks in Gundam? Mm, not that I know of. <laughs> okay, good answer. <laughs> the nearest thing is the is the fake Nintendo Zephyr that fires a duck out of the last shot. <laughs> right. It's pretty close. Yes, yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, right, I suppose that what makes you what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Bah. Okay, right. Okay. That, mean, that means hunger's coming. Yeah. Um, I played a bit more Flint Hook. Um, managed to finally get past the second boss. <laughs> I was like, man, that game's tough. Um, I've sort of gone off. I've, 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 I've come out of it now. So I'm not playing it very often anymore. Mm. And like, so which means it's probably going to be even harder to get yeah, back into. Yeah, you're not going to be able to remember um, how to play. I've got I've gotten to the third boss once and was immediately just murderized. Just could not figure out how to avoid anything. It was just like blah blah blah. Oh, I'm dead. Um, but I did figure out like judicious use of the slowdown belt or chrono belt is like is the is the way to play that game Chrono well belt <laughs> leather belt uh it's, it's definitely the way to to play that game well because you can get yourself out you can do that thing where i was trying to shoot down and as i'm like falling to my doom like have enough time to react and get out of the situation mm. if you needed to shoot down on things um so there's it is a bit of a curve to try and just force yourself because you can you can use it all the time pretty much but like you do have to like use it a bit let it recharge use it a bit let it recharge but it's pretty quick bursts um and so yeah, i should be using it more often but uh, i do uh, do my the most my, my initial criticisms will actually lie although the game's getting harder it's getting harder because it just basically most of the time it's just, all it's doing is throwing more world um obstacles in like there's more spiky balls in this room than there was before right. or this particular bit of floor is going to turn into a turn into spikes when you stand on it except i didn't realize that when i first entered the goddamn room <laughs> um even though there is a tiny visual cue but it's like a sliver of white pixel there's like oh there's a plate here where there isn't normally a plate on this particular bit of floor texture and it's yeah i do wish that game just had slightly more variation in it like more more mix-ups for a roguelike. Um, uh, so yeah, my, my original problems with it still stand, but I got that I it's just I got that little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been playing. I don't know if we talked. Well, some of this I can't remember if we actually sort of touched upon the goatees or anything. I feel like I've talked about some of this stuff probably at Zach quite a lot over the weeks out. Um, but uh, I've been playing Hand of Fate 2. 
because mm. uh, I quite enjoyed that first Hand of Fate game. That was quite cool. It's, you know, you get yeah, old school sort of uh, roguelikey card based turn, sort of make decisions, things happen, kind of randomness to it. Um, but I think they've dialed back the randomness a little bit, so cards tend to play out in predictable ways, provided you um, win the gambits. Like, so there's more. There's, oh, and there's new types of gambits as well. So, right, what what the game basically used to do is, if you had like a chance situation, what it would normally do is put four cards on screen, it would flip them over first to show you what the odds were, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so there's like two success cards and two failure cards or something, and then and then flip them over and then shuffle them, and then you'd pick one and stuff would happen and you know some of the uh, encounters could have levels upon levels of these things um which would lead to in some cases wildly different paths and uh, outcomes to those particular encounters um now to try and make that a little more interesting they've introduced more gambit types so that was what they called the, the i think they call that the chance gambit now but now you've got dice gambits so you can like roll which normally gives you a target score to get and you roll three dice and then you can re-roll as many of those as you want on the second throw, and then you have to hit that score on the second throw, right. um, uh, which adds a little bit more to it. Like um, you, you feel a little bit more involved with those. I think it's like okay, that I actually have a choice that I might need to influence, and there are ways of manipulating these a little bit. Like some of the powers you can get, like or blessings, can be like oh, it'll actually highlight one of the bad cards in the chance gambit, or. Your companion, which is a new thing to this game, your companion character that you've brought along might be able to add a dice to make the target real easy Um, uh, at at the cost of him not being able to fight for a few turns, for a few combat encounters. Um, So they've added stuff to this. Oh, the worst thing they've added, though, is probably the Pendulum Gambit, which is really, really hard. It's right. like basically what they've, what they've done is they've made it so like this is like a swinging metronome like thing that's going back and forth and there's like targets in it that you have to hit. But these targets are often tiny, um, often moving at a different rate to the pendulum, um, and often protected by other things that are moving and are, often, are quite larger to get in the way. Mm. Um, and they're really, really hard. Um, so you're supposed to hit the gold things to get a huge success outcome. You're supposed to hit silver things to get a silver uh, to get just a success outcome. But if you miss, then you get a failure. And if you hit the blockers, you get huge failure conditions, which are often really bad um, for your progress. And like, I just find those things really difficult. Um, and the other thing they've added, which is a little more controllable, is the wheel gambit, where it just puts a load of cards on screen that then start spinning and you have to try and stop them. So the one, you know, Wheel of Fortune style. Um, and you can sort of predict that if you can judge the speed of the wheel, which does change, as it turns out. You can't just rely on the same... Like, oh, if I press the button where the card's exactly at the top of the screen, it's going to be the one that comes at the bottom. And so it's not always true. The speed of the wheel is different for most encounters. Okay. It's, uh, so you, have to, you do have to judge it. Um, uh, yeah, so they've added all that stuff to make the card game a bit more interesting. Um, but in many ways, I actually think the card game, and this might be a problem with Hand of Fate 2 overall, is that although they've added stuff or, like around the card game, I actually think they've simplified both the card game and the combat uh, in ways that make it a little less interesting to play. Yeah. I feel like there was, I feel like that there was more of a random factor in the first game, and that was actually why it was both 
a bit more exhilarating and a bit more frustrating at the same time. But it also felt like there was a bit more of a game to it. More to it, ways. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they, 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 while there are more, I think there's more of the sort of what they call challenges, which are like the sort of the, the, the courses, the sort of uh, like, here's a start, here's a finish point. Um, mm. here's, a, here's a little bit of story to get through. Um, I feel like they fleshed those out a bit more, but in the process of doing that, the encounters aren't quite so dynamic. Like you will go through it and it will have this progression. It will have like you go to this first area, something will happen. You go to a second area, something else will happen. Um, it does mean that the way that these play individually can be a little bit different. Like, oh, this one's a murder mystery. You've had, there's actually a storyline. You've got to try and figure it out based on logic and stuff like that. But as it turns out, it's always the same on repeated playthrough, so you can just jip it the second time. <laughs> yeah, um, right, okay. Um, although there are bigger goals to get in that thing if you really want to. Um, but then while some of them turn the map into a, turn the card game into basically a giant map of unknowns, and there's like a path you have to weave your way through it, but you can't really seek to get all of the cards on that particular route, so you can't roguelike it in the like in the way the old game worked, where it's like, oh, you need every card because you need to get all the buffs you can buffs you want before the end of it. Um, you know, and there might be things on the on the way that screw you up or put you somewhere else, or certain uh, sub encounters that add cards to the playfield, which are kind of fun. And, oh, okay. And confuse, ma- and confuse matters. <laughs> confuse the map. Um, so in a, that, in know, a kind that, of surprising way, like in a good way. Yeah, sometimes there was one. There's one sub quest in particular where it basically just spammed the board with desert. So, oh, like, what, what what might have been a clear map suddenly becomes filled with desert cards, and each one of those desert cards, you had to find the one desert card that was the thing you were looking for to to move this sub story on. Um. Totally optional, by the way. You don't have to do those things, but there, there, there are uh, it, there are like these sub stories tied to your companions that can play out in any one of the challenges you want if you choose to bring that encounter with you. But this one was just in, like fascinating because, as I say, it just covers the board in desert, and it's like, well, you can now have to work your way through this if you want to get find the other thing, or you can carry on with the challenge at hand and just ignore that stuff, and it's. Yeah, okay. I see what you did there. You're using your card mechanic to actually to actively improve how this plays in some ways. Uh, so there's that. That's the card side. Um, mm-hmm. One, of, but my biggest problem with a lot with Hand of Fate One was that the combat felt like a poor man's Batman, and that's still true here. It's not. I wouldn't call it refined. I'd call it different. Like it still follows that archetype it's still the press x to attack press y to counter b to do something else and a to d- jump about you know it's very much following that batman model uh, and you build up a combo which will occasionally give you a special mood to depend- move depending on the uh, weapon you're carrying and uh you know the slight addition is you can now call in your companion that you have to do an extra attack to to help you and they may distract some of the enemies, which means that they, oh, thanks to distraction, they can now throw more of them at you, and it's not so much of a burden. Um, but I actually feel like these encounters so far have been less varied because um, mm. it feels like there's less enemy types. Um, that might or may not be true, but it feels like there's less. The environments you fight in are less varied, so they become basically just arenas in which to fight. Um, and also there's no ground traps, 
like there was in the first game. You can't just walk over a spike thing and get stabbed, or there's no random arrows flying around that you have to avoid. So even the arenas are, which in fairness, I kind of didn't like that stuff in Hand of Fate 1. Yeah, it sounds a bit annoying. But it's actually taken something away from the combat that I don't feel like has, anything has come in to replace. Do you know what I mean? It feels like they just they they've taken something out to to get rid of a problem, but didn't think of something else to, to make add it more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so while while I don't I don't want to say I feel I think I feel about this game exactly the same way as I did about the first Hand of Fate, <laughs> in that I think it's a real solid idea and a real. And I love the the way they present it. I love the style of the cards. I love the dealer and the, what he says and the voice and the tone and everything is really cool. Um, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure this is all going to be playing into how the first game played out. Like he's out to get revenge on the player from the first game, basically, uh, which is which is kind of cool. And uh, uh, I, I just don't. I, I'm not. I just don't. I, mm. I think everything they've changed is is as problematic as it is beneficial. So Hand of Fate 2, to me, so far, lands exactly where the first game did in terms of my appreciation of it. I mean, they haven't quite nailed the formula, but stick with it. Stick with it, guys. I think you'll get it. Or someone else, please come along and t- steal their ideas and try and get it. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really do think there is something to this. I'm just, I'm just not sure it's as good as it could be. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I think if you think the sequel, you know, you sort of expect the sequel to be the one where they nail it, right? It's the Mass Effect Two thing. It's like, okay, you've na- you've nailed what you needed to. Um, yeah, no, I don't think they have. Unfortunately, maybe it'll expand more as I go on. I mean, that's kind of the point in the game; it expands as you go. But yeah, where it where it sits right now, it's not. It's, yeah, I've said it already. Moving on. Uh. Forza Horizon 3. <laughs> Ooh. That went oh, yeah. that went relatively well priced on the Windows Store on PC over over the break. So uh, I picked myself up the PC version of that. Well, I say the PC version, the Play Anywhere version, which my, my, when I bought on PC, the Xbox immediately tried to download and said, you ain't got space, mate. <laughs> Naturally. Nah, mate, no space, mate. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't getting that. Forget it. Uh, so that went to my first. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that was that, 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 the biggest the biggest problem I've had with this game was getting it bloody installed off Windows Store. <sighs> it took like three attempts. Uh, the first time I like I downloaded it and then it didn't install. It said just gave me a random error code. And it's like we can Helpful. if I retry, I can retry the installation. I don't have to download it again. Just keep trying. And it's like yeah, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, never installed. Always, so, uh, like, deleted it and basically said, no, it's fine. Uninstall. Uh, reinstall. The second download supposedly downloaded way more this this time. It's like like gigabytes upon gigabytes. Like, it said it was got up to, like, 200 gigs worth of download. Uh, and then, like, well, that's a hell of a lot higher than what it was before. So I start, while that was running, I started looking up the value of what it was supposed to download. And it's like, yeah, it's about 50 gig. <laughs> And it's like, so why have I got 193 listed here? What is going on? Uh, apparently, that's a bug with Windows Store. We're going to just start misreporting what it's doing. Oh, great. Um, 
all this drama if it had been yeah honest. before i've even started the bloody go and it's yeah I can't, I can't remember what i did at that point i think i'm i don't know if i restarted it again because it got it wrong or if i just let it do its thing until it figured it out um i think i restarted it again so i've probably downloaded 150 gigs worth of stuff at this point <laughs> um to play a 50 gig game that did eventually install itself it <laughs> did eventually work um uh that game is forza horizon 2 with a different skin oh interesting but it's, quite good looking skin oh yeah it's a phenomenally good looking game and those, you played forza horizon are, 2, i played right? 2 on the x-bone so this is my the, well, which is the only place you could play it so you know i picked up the pc version specifically because i want i want those extra frames i want that 60 frames per second at least and i want that wheel control which is like the one of the major points about this game it's like all right we're actually pro- doing proper wheel support supposedly mm. in this one and it's like brilliant you might have made the game i've always wanted um uh yeah it is fantastic uh in terms of in terms of its visuals the driving model is as you would expect you know it it feels like a forza game uh you can still (laughs) drive through fields as if every bit of terrain was made of paper which is fun and just just plow your way through wineries you know (laughs) just classic vineyards sorry not wineries um just just taking just taking everything out as you go most trees just explode with the touch of your car but some trees don't some trees are just made of granite and you just, <laughs> the classic just, you just stop so sometimes you can you got to use your eyes and pick out that looks like a big tree that looks, <laughs> that looks like a little tree it's like the it's like the old midterm madness you can hit as many poles as you want but as soon as there's a tree you're screwed right <laughs> yeah but this is the thing like no everything's a tree really <laughs> it's like, right. but but which of the trees can i hit and which can't can't i sometimes you have to figure out um i think it's it's both excellent because Forza Horizon 2 was excellent. It was excellent, yeah. But it's also... I'm finding myself quite disappointed with it because it is just Forza Horizon 2. Right. What um, were you hoping for, do you think? I don't know, just something a little different. I mean, the presentation is practically identical. Hmm. Uh, the whole style of it is identical. The The way people talk to you like in, in the annoying voiceover fashion that we don't yeah. like is yeah. identical um, kind of dirt two style yeah the, the showcasey stuff is kind of you know identical it's like it's like I, I know perhaps they had a limited amount that they could do but yeah in, in some respects it's like it's it's just that everything is the same like right. absolutely everything is the same as the previous game and like uh, uh, they have added a few things to it like let's not be uh, let me not be too dismissive of it. Like, then there's more championship options. There's more customization options of what events you actually want to do. You don't have to do all the prescribed events. Like, you'll discover routes, like courses and tracks, basically yeah. through the environment, and you can say, actually, for this particular route, I would rather do it in this type of car, um, uh, and I'll call it this, and then I'll share that with the community. And so when you go to event locations you can either play the horizon presents version or if it's working which i'm not sure it does most of the time that you'll get a list of other blueprints that other players have made and it's like oh actually i quite like to play that guys um that sounds fun i'll play that one if i've got the car that's you know if i've got a car of the various type that that race supports 
Uh, and that can be kind of interesting. There can be ones where you can go back to a route and go, okay, that track was cool, but I'd quite like to play it with this with this pre- this car I had. And, and it's like, yeah, fine, set that up. Go nuts. Um, and that counts as progression. You can do that, and that's fine. The game will just go, yeah, you did that. Cool, moving on. Um, which, is, which can be pretty neat. Um, uh, and and what it, it's falls short of what I think that game really should have, which is like just a full on track generate. Uh, you know, the ability to make tracks. Mm. Um, I, I think that was missing in the last game. Like, and, and it's missing for most of these like open world racing games to some degree. I, like, I just want to, I, I want to pen out a track either on the roads or for the off road events. Give me some amount of control of being able to put down like template uh, markers to say here's where it turns if you're doing an off road event. Um, and like it just feels like this is this is the step this this series needed that wasn't in this one. Okay. Uh, why, why, why limit me to this these tracks when you've got a big open world? Well, let me race anywhere. Uh, yeah, you want to be able to just go from A to B or whatever, and just yeah, make yeah. It. I think I think you can set those up in the online stuff or in the. Um, what would you call them? The the the, the bu- bucket list challenges. Mm. I think you can set up like a point to point time trial thing between any two places. I think, um, but that's yeah, which is literally just like oh, drive drive over this tree field, get get through this tree field <laughs> in in twenty seconds or something like that. You know, you you, you can you, you can sort of set those up, but but you know, I want to set up a track. I want to set up where we drive. And, um. Which sort of leads me to my, I think, my biggest problem with the game, and that I, uh, which is contrary to most of the reviews and most of the opinions, I don't think Australia is that interesting as the European location in Horizon Two. Right. Yeah. I think the beach is a nice area. A, that's a nice different thing they added to it, and obviously they leaned heavily on that in their promotional material. Um, and you know the jungle is kind of nice, but the city area is kind of dull hmm. like surface surface paradise isn't and it's the only city area on the map that i can see right and it's just not that interesting it's very flat and very it's just boring i don't really know how to describe it it's just, it's just a boring it but part of the game and i kind of oh, wanted a bit a more street racing and it's like when and this game really seems to be the highlight of this game is the off-road stuff the off-road stuff's pretty great the on-road stuff actually feels a little dull compared to what it was so do you think you do you think it's better than the um I don't Forza Horizon 2 or I don't know. I think it hmm. I I do think it's just on a par uh, actually. Right. I think it's just because uh, it is so samey. Hmm. And and like Hand of Fate and like the bits that were good about 2 are slightly less good I, like like road racing was 2's highlight for me and off-road stuff feels way better here <laughs> than it did before. Okay. Um uh, so you know, it's it's a bit up and down. Like I've had fun in the rally cars, for instance, and I've had fun in uh, in lightweight buggies going across fields and doing random jumps and stuff like that. It's it's like that. that those races are fun, um, but the actual street racing stuff I've done has been tedious. <laughs> so it's uh, I mean it's, it's still been good. Tedious is harsh. Um, it's it's been good, but like in compared to the other stuff that this game has, it's like it, it feels. It doesn't feel as good as a mainline Forza. I think it's my problem with that stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. 
because that's kind of what you want ideally right would be to fuse the mainline forwards and stuff with with this style yeah. of game right and there's no there isn't necessarily a reason why it couldn't be and it must be using the same exactly. driving model right and it must be using the same thing but it's just it's, it's, the environment doesn't doesn't lend itself well to that style of racing where i think two had i think two had several cities in its map or at least two biggies um you know sort of you know uh, stylized european towns whereas an australian town isn't all that interesting it's like just, mm. just generic house mm. big big skyscraper on occasion uh yeah they, 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 they've obviously focused a lot more on their and like natural environment yeah definitely yeah that's quite clear isn't it yeah yeah but maybe they could bring it all together oh. uh, which leads me to well you know so again in my usual review style, I'm not trying to poo-poo this game. Like, uh, it's difficult to say the good stuff because it's so much like Forza Horizon Two. It's so the good stuff is all bad. We've yeah. it's all known. Um, so, so I guess the new wrinkle for me is oh well, actually, no. Let's talk about performance. Performance is great on my machine. It runs unbelievably well. Um, awesome. Like like maxed out, uh, hundred frames ish. I don't quite hit hundred and twenty, but I'm running like uh, above a hundred. Um, uh, on on it and it's uh it, yeah it's 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 really nice i the game did accidentally boot itself into 4k mode once and and was super sampling and i was still getting over 60 on it amazing um on my what my gtx 1080 uh just one not even a you know the new ones and not, not not even the new yeah. 1080 cards but it was it was handling it and uh it took me a little while to notice that's what had happened. I noticed the frame counter in the top was like, this is normally running in the hundreds. Why am I getting 60 something? It's like, and it's like oh, 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 the internal res is 4K for some reason. I'm pushing quite a lot more pixels than I thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that's really quite impressive. Uh, I do think there there is a lot of nice... I think that... I don't, it's hard to notice when you're starting to look really closely at the details, but I think like things like the rain detail has improved and the way it... like. Um, uh, the, you know they do that nice sort of like you know raindrops on the car texture that Forza's had for a while since like mm. Forza, Forza Horizon Two I think might have been the first game to do it. Um, but they, like that now animates like with rain hitting it, so it's like you can see the spots changing if you really look at it. Oh, um, sweet! Not that you could barely ever see that kind of stuff, but like when you do see it, it's, or you do pay attention to it, it's like oh right, you've actually done that. That's that's cool. Um, uh, you know, I pointed something out to you, I think, when you saw it, and it's like when there's a camera that looks like it's being shot from a drone, they'll actually put the shadow of the drone that would be <laughs> taking the pictures into the world, and it's yeah, like, that's, that's a cool, cool little detail. I love that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's, fil- it's filled with detail like that, just just little things that you, you just would have thought, you didn't need to do that, but you did. Um, uh, saying that, like, the 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 quality of the cars isn't always uniformly brilliant. I have come across a couple of vehicles where, you know, normally they model the, the intricacies of like most of the cars, they model the like intricacies of the, the, the headlamps. Like, so they all reflect nicely inside and it's all yeah, like all the little details of the headlamps are there. And that's, that's, that's really great. But I've, I've, I have driven a couple of cars that where the headlamps have just been a texture. Oh no. That's like kind of the, a... ab- the absolute opposite of it. It's like going back to play like the non-premier cars of Gran, Gran Turismo. Turismo. Yeah, exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, really stands out. And it's just like, whoa, why did why did you not do that on that car? Or why did you not put a shader on it to make it look a little bit 
refractory, <laughs> if that's a word. Um, uh, yeah, it's just there, there, there are, when, when the detail isn't there, it really stands out, which is, again, a testament to how, how good looking this game is, really, and how well produced it is. Um, that, that, that when there is a something out of place, it's like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I guess you can't like fake that stuff, right? And it's a lot of work, but I mean, they should just do I don't know. You might as well not have that car. Yeah. Uh, exactly. There, anyway. there there probably would have been cars in the in other cars in that class that they've modeled better. It's like, yeah, how did that make that to final bit? Or maybe in fairness to it, the game does run on a uh, what it calls a, like a dynamic optimization system. So it's constantly adjusting your graphic settings in theory to keep your frame rate up. Mm. Um, so a bit of me does wonder. Maybe I need to go back and like look at that car in Forza Vista or something and and examine it again there. But in in the it was a showcase challenge and like so it just opened with this car driving right at the camera. It's like you're you're just sort of <laughs> wincing a little bit with it. It's like oh that doesn't look right. So one of the game had a little hiccup at some point and like had optimized out the detail uh, to keep the frame rate up. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll re-examine that, but it just looked bad at that point. <laughs> at that moment in time. Uh, God, what else? Is there? There, is, there is more stuff to talk about here. Like, um, there's, Let's talk about the wheel support, actually, because that's kind of a big deal for me. That was the reason that drew me in. And... I'm going to describe it as functional. Okay. As in it works. Right. But. But you only have to play Dirt Rally for like 30 seconds to realize how much more they could do. So force, force feedback support is kind of bad to non-existent. Like it's there. You can feel the odd rumble, but it's not like you're feeling the tires slip from under you or you're not feeling the weight of impacts particularly. It's just it's just sort of there. You've got your you know like wheel return to center <laughs> spring, which is I guess the most important thing. But but yeah, I'm not really feeling the loss of grip. I'm not really like you know, so that's a little disappointing. Um, and secondly, like I think the 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 amount of configuration you can do on the wheel settings just feels there. It, it doesn't feel right, and like so. Uh, I've had to turn the sensitivity option in that game right down to zero mm. to get it to feel um, uh, like remotely controllable. Because uh, you saw it when I first fired it up, pretty much, and it's just like, whoa, this is all over the place mm. on its default setting on on my wheel, and it's just like, and 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 having pulled up, um, it does that thing in Forza where you can pull up like the schematics or telematics. What do they call it when you're like? Telemetry. Telemetry. That's the word. Oh right, yeah, okay. Um, so you can pull that up and have that on screen instead of your normal HUD, and there it will show you like how much you're steering, like because it has like a little steering indicator on screen, which is kind of nice because that that how we gauge the thing. And on zero, it seems to get on zero sensitivity, it seems to give you the full range. Whereas anything above that, it's like locking out at max before you reach the end of the wheels throw. Um, which I guess would might make sense on wheels that have like those nine hundred degree wheels or something, maybe if that's how you want to play it. But uh, on my wheel, with only like a classic, just over one eighty degree throw or whatever it is, um, uh, it's not. It's, it's just really not. 
it's way too sensitive. So I have to toy with that, and then I had to toy with the linearity to make it so it was more sensitive around the middle of the wheel. Um, uh, and then none of the changes you then make are reflected in the animation of your hands on the wheel inside the car. So he's turning his hands on the wheel way more than you are. Okay. Which is kind of off-putting. Yeah, that's kind of hard, weird looking. Yeah. And 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 that's I like I like to play in that in car cam, even if it is somewhat restricting, like in terms of what you can see sometimes, because the car canopy covers most of your view, um, depending on what you're driving. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think I would have preferred them to have shipped the game with like the classic, well, the option that's now becoming popular in a lot of these wheel games, where you can just turn the wheel off, mm. um, or you know just get your animation right, fools. Um, just turn the animation of it off. Yeah, like just turn the whole wheel off, like right. so you can't see it. And, like you see the dash oh, behind see. it, and so so, so my wheel gone. becomes the wheel. Yeah, yeah th- that's better. Like, yeah, that's a good that's, idea. That's, that's in Dirt Rally and Dirt Four and yeah, games that know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm willing to give it a sort of pass because yeah, they supported quite a lot of wheels. You can go through the the control presets, and it's like okay, there's actually quite a lot of wheels in this list, and uh, they've set up the controls so they map. Somewhat ideally to the wheel. Does it support um, Microsoft? I don't know. Good question. Because <laughs> it's a Microsoft game. They never have that one locked down. I mean, it's agent. I mean, I doubt it because those drivers don't work properly on Windows 10, in my experience. <laughs> well, no. So that 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 agent ass wheel is now actually kind of redundant. But, but Windows finally. will still work it out if you plug it in because it's just USB. Uh, yeah, but I had like. <laughs> there was some sort of the moment, the, the only reason I'm not using the Sidewinder still. Is because it um, uh, in dirt in particular something about its drivers. Uh, even when the wheel was plugged in and not being used, something about its drivers caused dirt's frame rate to just plummet. Like it would go down to like twenty thirty frames on my machine when it should be running at a full one twenty. Um, yeah, it was just unpl- it, you know that that wheel made dirt unplayable. Um, which made me think, okay, maybe the Windows 10 drivers are, uh, are finally screwed, or those old drivers are finally screwed in Windows 10, something like that. Because you could unplug the USB immediately, and then the game would go back to running to full, full speed. And it's like, okay, the wheel is definitely causing a problem here. Whether that's Codemaster's fault or not, I don't really know. Maybe that I, I'm assuming it's a driver issue, uh, admittedly, but it would not surprise me, given that thing hasn't been supported for friggin' ages. And just still happens to work. You ever tried running that wheel and that game in your Windows 7? Uh, yeah, so I, I had played Dirt Rally with the Sidewinder before the Windows 10 update upgrade had come out. So I'd played it on ice, mm. like my last PC. Yeah, but I meant the... with your dual boot. Have you tried it on, on this PC under uh, Windows 7? Interesting. No, I haven't got a Windows 7 install. Mm. I would have to sort that. I'd have to get a new drive and sort that out. It sounds like way too much fair. Well, yes. but, <laughs> for but, just that test. But you're right; that would that would be a viable test, yeah. Because um, you know your old PC had USB problems of some kind. Yeah, <laughs> I, ICE was a bit problematic with USB in general, but but yeah, no, I have that problem now on fire. So that was what led me to conveniently, permanently borrow this first master. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. I, I, maybe they got it a bit better in Forza Horizon 7. 
Maybe they put a bit more work into it. This was their first real stab at it, in mm. fairness. Um, and it's okay. Um, oh, they do have a problem with the, like, cut, cut, I tried to create a custom control layout to, like, reassign some buttons. And they do have the problem that the preset they've built for the wheel themselves has multiple controls assigned to the same button, which is fine because they're, they work in, they work in, they're non-overlapping because they work in different contexts. But if you try and set that up yourself in a custom preset, it doesn't let you because it goes, this control is already bound to something else. Right. Despite the fact those contexts will never cross paths. And it's like, oh, so I can't actually set it up in the same way you've set it up, but just make one little change. Doesn't, doesn't let you do that. So, you know, bit of, a little bit of work needed on their wheel side. Uh, well, that's and also, they... also don't advertise to me constantly. <laughs> there have been three separate occasions in, where the game has just stopped right. at the end of a bit of progression to show me a video of either the DLC portions of the game, what? or at worst, it showed me a video for Forza 7. Saying, please buy Forza 7. And then prompted you with an on-screen menu saying, hey, do you want to buy Forza 7? Or, hey, do you want to buy the DLC? And it's like, please don't do that. Like, you know, don't don't take me out of the game to show me a video. Of, of something, something I could buy, yeah. Yeah. When, in fact, one of the videos it showed me was for the Hot Wheels DLC, which I haven't played yet, but I own. Like, don't, don't do that! <laughs> mm, annoying. And it was already installed, right? It was already installed. So you'd already know that you're. Yeah, installed, <laughs> installed, but installed automatically because I like got it as a, as the there was it the Horizon Three and Hot Wheels bundle, and it just sort of that they download as one, as I think most Xbox stuff does. If you buy DLC, it just grabs the whole lot because it knows. Mm. Um, yeah, don't do that. That's quite frustrating. Although I haven't seen a trace of microtransaction. Interestingly, even though there's like tokens, which I think are its currency, mm. I haven't. I don't know where you'd buy them from. I haven't. I've ever seen the prompt that says, "Do you want to buy some tokens?" <laughs> so that's a plus. And I haven't felt like the game. There was any need to ever buy anything. In fairness, other than the DLC stuff for Hot Wheels, which seems like the most fun ever. But we'll get to that. I'll get to that. So yeah, it is good. Trust me. But I'm just, you know what I'm like. It's easy to rip games apart. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> cool. Well, if you haven't played um, Forza Horizon 2, then <laughs> Forza Horizon 3, definitely recommended. Well worth a play. Yeah. Less, yeah, definitely less essential if you've played 2. If you've already played it, then save again. Unless you're really hankering from, for a slightly different place to drive things <laughs> slightly cool. oh they right. really need a skip button on their little cutscenes as well no, I'm done I'm done especially <laughs> the ones that are advertising to you yep <laughs> right I think we've come to the end of this we've run slightly long yep sorry my bad there was a lot to say about but that's all, all good uh, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for I don't know if there's any uh, videos coming out is there guys uh, uh, so we've, rec- we've, yeah, we've recorded a couple I haven't had any time to work on them uh, for a while. Well, when um, Rob gets a chance, yeah, there'll be some stuff up on the Happy Salad YouTube channel. So what's next? And uh, I've still got one oh, more Opus Magnum. Yeah, oh, which from your quite popular series. 
has, <laughs> has turned out to be the most popular video we've ever done as the yeah. first part of Opus Magnum. Yeah. Um, and so watch out for for that if you want to see some puzzling. Re- Real-time puzzling. <laughs> if you could try and work out how, how Zach's brain works in a reverse engineer kind of way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> enjoy that. And uh, we'll be back in a, a couple of weeks for... Uh, another Salacast. Probably more Mass Effect. <laughs> Probably more Mass Effect. <laughs> Catch you then. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, oh, I need to actually get... Oh, no, I've got... Come on, <laughs> Rob's tangled up in his head, mate. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm through. He's broken through the wall into Mexico. Hello now. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.